Kevin, I'm trying to get a look at the hat you're wearing. It's a game day, and I know that you don't, like, paint your face and that kind of thing, but I didn't know if your hat <laughs> is consistent with a game day. Well, I'm, it's not. Um, I'm doing some Denver television uh, hit at, like, 1030, and so I thought this was, like, the cleanest hat I own. I was going to rock Pacers corduroy after last night because they're going 82-0 and after last night. Um I didn't feel like that was maybe the most acceptable thing to rock on Denver TV this morning. So this is like my cleanest Titleist hat I own. Okay, fair enough. Now, do, 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 do you like the look? Is this TV acceptable, you think? Well, it is. Tip, you know, a shower and hair gel is always good, too. Yeah. I asked them if I needed a shower. They said, no, it's on Zoom. Oh, well, then, yeah. The hell with it. Yeah, hell with it. You know, the shirt is not. I mean, it looks like you iron the shirt. You're ready to go. You are game day ready. Question is, are the Colts game day ready? Uh, that's a great question. 13 hours from now, we're going to find out. Um, I, I think this is close to a coin flip. Yeah, I think Denver is one of the, if not the most disappointing team in the NFL. Through four weeks, they are banged up. I think there's areas of this game you could point towards to uh, the Colts have a strength there, but they're going to have to do it without their best offensive player. Um, it's kind of odd to sit here, Jake, and to say all of that and to think the worst scoring offense in the NFL will not have their best player tonight. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the, here's the thing, and I'm going to make this point several times this morning. I, I have a feeling there is a silver lining in all of this. I will say that, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that as the art of the tease because we're going to talk more about this over the course of the morning, but – I, I do think this I do think that there is a reason for optimism if you are the Colts. That's and you know me. I, I'm a, the eternal optimist, right? I'm always the glass is always half full with me. But there is one area where I can look at it and go, for this factor I'm excited for tonight. By the way, that is Kevin Bowen. My name is Jay Quarry. Mark Dykton is here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on a Thursday. Good morning to you in Indianapolis, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. By the way, a reminder to those of you, if you are on your way into work and then you get to work, um, don't have a radio at work, you can always listen to us at 107.5thefan.com. There's a listen live option. Um, we have had challenges in some areas in terms of ways that you can listen, but that one is Apologies always for that. safe and consistent. Um but there's a lot to talk about this morning. I mean, obviously this game and that, that Kevin, for a team that we talked about how healthy they were through camp, that water is starting to find its level here in terms of the regular season. Yeah, without Taylor, uh, of course, that news was announced yesterday afternoon. We'll get into that. No Shaquille Leonard, no Tyquan Lewis, no Julian Blackman. Uh, Jake, your leading rush, rusher without Jonathan Taylor? Matt Ryan. 37-year-old Matt Ryan. Naheem Hines, eight carries for 11 yards this season. And Deion Jackson, two carries for negative three yards. So, like, while I think running back is one of the more replaceable positions in all of football, and there's Thursday night history with these two teams that would definitely indicate that, you still are losing a dynamic player. I mean, there's a reason why Taylor's averaged four yards per carry and Hines and Jackson can't average one yard per carry but again weird things kind of happened on Thursday night last year Broncos Browns do you remember the name Dearness Johnson does that Boy, ring a bell 
boy, you're going in the deep in the bag. I do not remember Dearness. My apologies. Nick Chubb is out. Remember Kareem Nick Hunt Chubb. is out. No Kareem Hunt. All of a sudden, Dearness Johnson is Cleveland's lead back. He runs for 140 against Denver. I mean, Jonathan Williams of the Colts. Did you mention him? I mean, on Thursday know, night football. James James Mungro to go way back. I mean, there have been we've seen precedent here, right? I feel like there's more of that than there's more of like the wideout coming off the practice Correct. squad and Correct. having you know 120 yards in a game. So, I think that's where you have a, a, an ounce of optimism. Um, I would assume it's Philip Lindsay tonight as the lead back. Um, I, I think Naeem Hines stays in that hybrid role, and isn't this why you have Philip Lindsay? I mean, that's. That's why you kept him through, you know, signed him, right, and kept him through camp and everything else. I mean, look. And remember, he's on the practice squad. I expect him to be called up this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, he'll be elevated, right? Deion Jackson is on their 53-man roster for special teams. But I always viewed Lindsey as the break glass in case Jonathan Taylor gets hurt. Well, here you go. Philip Lindsey time. Now, I guess the other question then becomes if you're elevating him off the practice squad, who then – finds their way out well you, you you get two free exemptions a game with those covid rules still in place so you, right. so you don't have to cut anybody to make room for Lindsay. so you just bring Lindsay up like they did with chase mclaughlin in the recent weeks and you're good to go basically you're allowed to dress an extra couple guys okay um now one thing i am curious about Lindsay, and i don't want to act like they're going to give him the ball 20 times but do you worry about just like his stamina frankly he hasn't played football in nine or ten months he's been on your practice squad it's not like he carried a heavy workload last year in houston or miami um but ironically enough this is a denver native this is a guy that had a couple thousand yard seasons in denver his family and kids live in denver i'd like to think philip Lindsay could be highly motivated tonight unless he has a family reunion and stays out too late probably not possible right do you think he was breaking curfew last night? Oh, there's a concert at Red Rocks. Have you been to Red Rocks? I have. What concert did you see there? So, no concert, um, but saw it with uh, with a buddy of mine who uh, who lived out there. Yeah, I mean, same for me, right? It's cool just to go and see it and yeah. walk around. And Somebody messaged me the other day, hey, go to Denver. I've heard you've talked highly of it you know, prior. What, what should I do? I go, I don't care if it's a concert or not. At Red Rocks, you should still go. Correct. Do you know that? Uh, Red Rocks was actually built as part of the New Deal. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, it was built. Red Rocks was built like in the, I, I mean, right after the war, I believe. But it was part of like getting people out and working and whatever else. It's it's a an old and historic venue. The huge three red for those unfamiliar, Red Rocks is the Deer Creek of Denver, but a far more historic one, and it has three huge, massive red rocks um, that Shannon climbed in high school before they like made it. Highly illegal to do so. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll get a couple of aerial shots of that tonight leading back into breaks, right? Yeah, that's probably fair. Probably fair. Um, you are correct. The Pacers are going 82-0 and after last night, right? Uh, 30 wins is such a lock. <laughs> such they, a lock. Here is what's interesting about the Pacers, Kevin. The Pacers, by design, are one of probably four or five teams that are so, like set on not making the playoffs I, I in, in other words the ceiling for the Pacers would be you know at best like 35 wins so their thought pro- because they are so young their thought process is let's 
let's limit almost the number of wins that we're going to have. Let's just use this year as literally an experimentation of young players' combinations and see what we have and put ourselves in position for one more year of a retool. And then next year, we will have the 12 guys, the young players that we want, and push all in and gr- and go from there. Like now we have everybody's in the bus. We know what seats they're on. Let's go. That That's a year from now. That is the Pacers' vision. But, Kevin, they have talent. I mean, the young players they have are talented, so they may fall their way into 25 wins, right? You know, I said it yesterday, Jake. They will not be finishing games this season with guys that spent half the season in Fort Wayne. Yes. And that's what they had last year. Um, I thought some things I liked about last night. First off, the defensive end of the floor. And, again, throw in every single caveat of this is the preseason. Jake, the Pacers allowed 97 points last night. Care to venture the last time they allowed 97 or less in the regular season? Ooh, boy. No clue. They, I, I mean... They ended last year giving up at least 120 in nine straight games. You have to go back to Friday night, lighting of the tree, Thanksgiving. Really? For the last time, they gave up 97 or less. And again, Charlotte's going... 18 deep last night so I don't want to act like it's necessarily the exact you know replication if you will of a regular season game but it was a a reminder of how poor the defense was and now you're more athletic I think you should defend the wing and the perimeter a little bit better Miles Turner's presence of course helps and that was the first thing I noticed and I love that they got to the foul line in the first half they shot 20 free throws in the first half, uh, Benedict Matherin, five foul shots off the bench in the first half. How about Aaron Neesmith? Aaron Neesmith off the bench. That that second unit, McConnell, Neesmith, Matherin, that's a little tenacity on the defensive end. Neesmith is a guy, I think, more known for his, or at least his shooting is, is what a lot of people talk about. I, I think he can be a nice wing defender for you. Um, so those were some of the things that really stood out to me. Miles Turner, 12 points in 18 minutes. Chris Duarte with a dozen as well. No starter played more than 22 minutes. But again, get into the foul line. We talked about with Chad Buchanan a few weeks ago, the Pacers golf outing. The Pacers did not have enough easy baskets last season. They struggled in getting to the foul line. They struggled in just creating easy looks at the rim. Last night, you saw more opportunities at the rim. And, I mean, you, you shoot 20 foul shots in a half? It's a big number. You know what I'd like to know about the Pacers? And, you know, listen, we're going to talk almost entirely probably Colts this morning uh, once we get into the thick of it here because it is a game night, Thursday night game in Denver tonight. But let me ask you this question about the Pacers, and this is burning type stuff. I mean, this is like critically important stuff, Kevin. How big should the Benedict Matherin statue be? <laughs> You're all in, I know. You, you see those finishes in. of the left hand last night? He did have a yeah, Euro step. I mean, so even you were texting saying, Ooh, Matherin looks good. He did look good. I mean, he looked good. Um, which logo do you think more Pacer fans prefer? The the logo of the last however many years it's been, twenty years of the basketball with the three stripes, you know, the basketball in movement, or the hand stuffing the ball original logo? Hand stuffing the ball. You know that's a left hand, right? 
I, I did not, no. I guess I've never really... You can see the thumb in the profile. Any reason for the left hand? I'm trying to think of great lefty pacers. Uh, I actually heard this. The... Sam Perkins? Sam... Chris Mullen? Chris Mullen? When the Pacers logo was originally designed, the graphic designer that wanted to do it wanted to get an idea of a ball doing that and had, I I kid you not, found like somebody in their building just like, hey, Frank, like I've got to like do a, a sketch real quick of a ball being palmed. So pick up, and it wasn't a basketball, they used like a volleyball because the hand is like massive on that ball. And... Yeah. The, the person that picked it up, it was their left hand, and so therefore they included the thumb. Is that Victor Webb and Yama's hand? <laughs> They'd like to think so, right? That's the entire reason, Kevin, uh-huh. why they're going to try to not win 25 games and, and bust your over-under. Right? Uh, the starting lineup last night, Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Chris Duarte, Jalen Smith, and, uh, and Miles Turner. Uh, Isaiah Jackson was the first sub. Your guy, Jake, had a really nice night. And finishing at Telling the rim, I just he's got, just got to stay out of foul trouble. That's his biggest thing. Uh, picked up a couple quick ones, but as long as he stays out of foul trouble, um, he's certainly going to help you. The second unit was Jackson, McConnell, Matherin, Neesmith, Terry Taylor. Uh, no Daniel Tice, no Gogo Batadze last night. I would assume it's because both those guys played in the Euro. I think that's right. Basketball cup, so they're probably. They're offseason a little bit different than some others. The thing I that I liked about Matherin last night, he did not shoot it well at all from the perimeter. I feel like that's going to be there for him. What I liked is kind of what we saw in the summer league is his ability to get into the paint, make plays, finish at the rim. That to me is kind of like his – that's an area of growth for him. I don't consider that a strength. I consider his athleticism and his shooting more in the strength categories. The fact that he was such a willing driver again last night, got to the foul line, those are parts of his game that I'm like, okay, he feels confident in trying that, doing that, and it, it's a reminder of this guy is not a finished product, and I think that was part of the appeal with him is he's still very young and kind of his major basketball and like introduction, if you will, just because he doesn't have a ton of experience. And I think that's something that's really attractive about him as well. I'm telling you, this year for the Pacers may not be one of a lot of wins, but I do think it will be, it'll be fun. Let's put it that way, because they're, because the trajectory is upward and not like, what are we doing here? There is kind of a vision. Um, Mark, last night, I think, because all three of us actually, in a rare feat, uh, all three of us were, kind of group texting one another last night and mark it appears that, have you watched any more of Dahmer? no we took a day off last night because the pacers were on i was actually able to watch the game so so i had trouble dialing it up i finally got it but it took me about a quarter and a half it took a while yeah i was trying to do it and then it's like push this button okay push it like nope not working and i realized i had to switch out when you have to verify now your you account. have <clears throat> who is your cable provider uh youtube tv <clears throat> And I guess so, just to alert everybody, because we talked about it yesterday, no telecast. All of a sudden, out of the blue, it's like, you can do a free trial of NBA League Pass, and Chris and Quinn were on the call. I'm like... Yeah, and they lifted the, restri- why wasn't the blackout this promoted? restrictions, too. Yeah, I have no idea. So confusing. So how long is your League Pass, uh, like, free pass? Week long. Seven days, yeah. yeah. But Friday, well, I guess Friday you can use it, too, because mm-hmm. the Pacers still aren't on Bally. Right. Next week, Wednesday and Friday, the two home preseason games... That's when the if you have Bally Sports or you're going to buy the streaming service, 
you will get those games. We'll have Scott Agnes on at 9 o'clock to talk more about that so, in the new Bally update. Let me give you my, because last night I did watch, I'm like two episodes from the end now of the Dahmer show you on Netflix. You think 50-50 chance Jake watch, watches the Colts game tonight or finishes <laughs> let's see the how, Dahmer let's see how first half goes. <laughs> so, to tie in Dahmer to the NBA, Mark, I know you saw my tweet. I'm sure the league would Boy, love this that. this would be great. So, last night I'm watching it. and It'd I be think, your greatest analogy in the history well, okay, so did you see my tweet off. about this last night, Kevin? I, I think I might. I don't know. Someone's been messaging me that they know the defense attorney for Dahmer. Oh, I, I met his public defender, yeah. I, I got the police report and everything. Um, so last night I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, what did ever become of the chocolate factory? Because I've in Milwaukee I've gone to, I've seen like where his apartment building was. They That's torn down. That's gone. So I was curious where the, everybody knows he worked at a chocolate factory. So I looked it up, and the chocolate factory where he worked has like a, been around for, you know, 70 years in downtown Milwaukee type thing. But they moved l- shortly after that. They moved from that location to a more suburban location. So they tore down the building of the factory where Dahmer worked. That was just an empty lot for another 20 years until the city finally decided to do something with it, and they built the new arena, their Gamebridge Fieldhouse, where the Bucks play. The Bucks' current home is on the exact site of the chocolate factory where Jeffrey Dahmer worked. Pfizer Forum, right? Pfizer Forum, yep. So to – or Pfizer Forum, something like that. Um, but at any rate, the first event to open the arena, they had a concert. And the concert was The Killers and Violent Femmes. Now, am I the only one? Was Fine Young Cannibals booked? I, I, I mean, what, what? Should I laugh at that or like, not? I mean, honestly, though, I'm like, really? Like, Killers is enough, but then Violent Femmes? I mean, if you watch the documentary, it's like, hello, or the TV show or whatever you call it. But this is the kind of stuff that keeps me, like, you know, keeps my mind going. Colts, that in algebra. Three and a half point underdogs tonight. I, I think it's close to a coin flip. It's supposed to be a beautiful night, by the way, in Denver. It's always a beautiful night in Denver, unless it's snowing. I am curious to see just offensively the game plan, because Taylor is such a focal point, of course. Um, you know, do you see some quicker than passing game? Michael Pittman has been, I think, relatively quiet the last two weeks, and I'm not blaming Pittman for that. I think he gets a ton of attention. Um, Patrick Sertan Jr., That you know, you're starting to get into these juniors that I'm like, God, I'm getting so old. Uh, he would fall into that category knowing his dad. Um, he is an elite, elite young corner, so I would assume he's going to be uh, isolated on Pittman, and that means the tight end group needs to repeat what they did last week. And I'm just interested to see how the Colts come out and try to attack offensively because it's been such a struggle. I mean, do they try to mix things? Without Taylor there, here's the thing. You could say, like, without Taylor, like, oh, man, they've really got to open up the passing game now, except they've tried to do that, right? I mean, it's not like— I did think what got them back in the game last week, though, was was the passing offense. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, so my point being, it's not like this year so far they have been less reliant on Taylor than they have years past is what I'm getting at. Right, and the result of that has been— The worst scoring offense in the league. And— Kevin, I looked this up yesterday. The Colts are averaging 14.3 points per game. That's the lowest in the NFL. 
and they've done it against teams that, when not playing the Colts, are averaging giving up 25 points a game. So it's not like they've played the 85 Bears four times. To that point, there's something I wrote in an article earlier this week. Jake, it's six straight games of 20 points or less. If it reaches seven tonight, that will be the longest streak since 1993 for this franchise. The defensive rankings of the teams they've played in that six-game stretch. So this is entering the game, points allowed per game. The defensive rankings for those teams. 26th, 31st, 27th, 28th, 19th, 29th. So five of the six teams that you've played in scoring 20 points or less have been in the basement of the NFL in defensive rankings. Again, that to me is when you have an offensive-minded head coach, when you have a GM that is so hell-bent on the run game and establishing that through the trenches, if I am Jim Irsay, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is going on? We can't score, and we're playing bad defenses. If you are Jim Irsay, what is your level of... Like, do you think... Let's say that the Colts go out tonight. I don't think this is going to be the case, Kevin, but let's say they go out and they get completely run, and they look lifeless. If you're Jim Irsay, do you make a change in any way, shape, or form before next week? I think the change you would see would be some assistant coach scapegoat. Okay. You know, it's a 10-day break. This is the time to kind of do something along those lines. You know, we can get into this more later, Jake. I'm not like a huge, like, I don't really know what firing a coach midseason does. I mean, I would agree with you. It it completely throws your season away, right? Send a message. Right. You know, is there a young guy in the staff you want to evaluate? Um, Again, I point to, and this is part of the, the, the Taylor thing. I think, I know for a lot of fans, it might be hard to kind of get out of this game right here, right now, tonight, and how important it is for the Colts to get back on track. But if you want any chance of being in there late in the season in the AFC South, a reason for sitting Taylor tonight is what you have next Sunday. And that would be Jacksonville in your own building who you've already lost to once. I mean, that is the massive, massive game. Like, you want to, you know, equate kind of magnitudes to each game. Yes, tonight's big. It's big when you're one, two, and one. What happens if they get run by Jacksonville and Washington at home? Then, (laughs) then you fight. Yeah, yeah. At that point, you're firing every. Hell, you might fire blue at that point. Then they don't need to have actually is roof open or closed questions on Twitter because it will have been collapsed, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or imploded. Uh, One thing to note on Taylor too, with him being ruled out yesterday, he played 88 percent of the snaps on Sunday. That's a really big number for him. It's the third highest of his career. So you think about the workload he had on Sunday, now the quick turnaround. Um, I, I think just not enough days for him to truly test it out. More, uh, more carries for Philip Lindsay tonight or Naheem Hines? That's a really good question. I'll actually say Philip Lindsay. Boy. All that talk about Naheem Hines in the preseason, too, though. I have a theory on that. See, I think it's— Ten minutes from now, I'm going to tell you my theory on that. You know, I threw this to Matt Taylor yesterday. 
I said to Taylor, okay, let's say the Colts have 25 carries tomorrow night and Taylor can't go. I think what I said to him was like 13 for Lindsey, 10 for Hines, 2 for Jackson. I really think they want it, and I know we can laugh at this, and trust me, there's plenty of reason to laugh or cry at this. They haven't utilized Hines enough, but I think they would like to keep Hines in that role. I don't think they want, like, in between the tackles, Naheem Hines for 15 carries. You know, it's it's appropriate. They should change his jersey number to 57 because this year, Naeem Hines has been very slow out of the bottle, right? They, 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 or they, they need to start hitting the side of the bottle to get that going. It has not gotten underway at all. At all. Mark, somebody just said on Twitter that I'm the greatest analogy maker of all time. Your thoughts? They tagged you for some reason. They did? Yeah. Well, why didn't yes. they tag me? I don't know. On Twitter? Yes. Is this a burner of yours? It says, Jake Query may be the best and most frequent analogy maker of all time. At well, Mark D1075. Frequent, yes. I don't know about best. <laughs> I was going to say. Part of that tweet Quantity is Quantity over quality, listen, I think. Listen, Jordan's last game was a bowl. He hit 17 of 37 from the floor, and nobody talks about the 20 he missed. Okay? That's all I got to say. I'm just going to stand here with my follow-through. Greg Rankstraw going to join us at 8.30. Scott Agnes at 9 o'clock. We'll recap again the Pacers preseason opener last night. Big winners in Charlotte. And preview tonight with the Colts in Denver. Thursday night football. Our coverage will begin uh, 5.30 is the radio coverage. I know we got a lot of people asking about TV for tonight. Amazon Prime and then Channel 6 locally is going to pick up coverage. I think they said 8 o'clock. Okay. I think is where they will start for tonight. Looks like a good start to this Thursday morning. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton here on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Pacers win big last night in their preseason opener down in Charlotte. The leading scorer came off the bench. It was Aaron Neesmith, who the Pacers acquired in that Malcolm Brogdon trade with Boston uh, back in the summer. Neesmith uh, kind of thrown in the fire in summer league, really struggled there. But he's a former lottery pick, and last night showed off his ability on both ends of the floor with 16 points. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith has had a great training camp. He's carried it over to this game. He's playing to his strengths. That's that's the key thing. You know, he's not trying to do things he can't do. And defensively, you know, he, he had a big impact on the game. He and McConnell with that second unit, you know, really, really brought, um, you know, some force. And if you look at their plus-minus numbers, they, they bear it out pretty well. Jake, I think the second unit this year is another reason why I feel like the Pacers will have a better season than a lot of people think. I mean, T.J. McConnell missed four months last year. Yeah, again, I I want to emphasize in in agreement with you here, not in defiant of what you're saying. I think the Pacers are going to try. Tanking is the wrong word, but I but I don't think the Pacers are overly concerned this year with their win total. I think they know there is a reward if you don't have a lot of wins, potentially speaking, and they have a lot of young players that they are trying to – they're going to give ample opportunity for everybody to try in different combinations. But, Kevin, they they may win some games this year in exciting fashion, surprisingly, just because they have so much young talent. 
it's going to be hard to stave some of these guys off the bench. On the bench, you know what I mean. Friday in New York, next Wednesday and Friday they'll play at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So Four-game preseason slate before the season opener on October nineteenth. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, kind of rounding out the season here. Cubs over the Reds, fifteen-two. Nobody cares though, so Mark has no audio pulled for that. Thank goodness. Pirates over the Cardinals. Oh, would you like some? Five- I can find some. I'm sure. No, that's we're fine. Thank you. Uh, Five-three. Pirates over the Cardinals yesterday. It was the Astros over the Phillies, 3-2, and two teams that are heading to the postseason. The Yankees were beaten by the Rangers, 4-2. No home runs for Aaron Judge. I just, I'm glad the Cubs gave the uh, the Reds their 100th loss of the season. That was yeah, Good to get to that round. I was happy for the Reds to see that. Uh, postseason play begins tomorrow in Major League Baseball. Tonight, it's Thursday night football. The Colts are a three-and-a-half-point underdog in Denver. Last over-under I saw was about 42, 42-and-a-half, so... Expecting a low-scoring game. Uh, Russell Wilson, again, has been on the injury report, that right shoulder injury. Uh, he's going to play tonight, but I think that is something to monitor for the Colts. No Jonathan Taylor, and then defensively, you will have no Julian Blackman, no Shaquille Leonard, and no Tyquan Lewis. Yeah, they are pretty banged up, no question about it. But there might be a silver lining in that, and there's something that I could see happening tonight that I think would excite Colts fans that's looming on the horizon, and it may actually be a fortuitous situation. I'll explain, and we'll get more into the game. And then Rakestraw at 8.30. It's Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Not to expand upon Kevin and take advantage of being told that I make good analogies. Again, I make too many of them, I realize. But I'm going to make another one here. Uh, I'm convinced that was a burner account. I'll be playing a drinking game to how many times Jake mentions that. Thirsty Thursday, right? Yeah. That's right. Um, But do you ever have... You know, I don't know whether it's like you're wearing the Titleist hat right now or maybe a a pair of shoes or something that, that you kind of have forgotten about. And then all of a sudden, one day, you're like, oh, you know what? I forgot I have that hat. And you put it on, and you're like, wow, I really like this hat. Like, it's pretty comfortable. And oh, you yeah. start wearing it. You know what I mean? Like, you you serendipitously find something that you had gotten for yourself that you kind of forgot about. And then you realize there's a reason I went out and got this. I kind of like it. And, and you start wearing it a lot more often, whatever. It seems to me at the beginning of the season, and this is the one thing that I'm optimistic about, there are two reasons why I'm actually optimistic about the Colts tonight. And I know that I said, I th- I think I said last week, like this was my last go-round and push-all-in. Like if they don't show up for Frank Reich, then he has lost the team. I remember saying that last week. And I think that's entirely possible. Uh, tonight is going to be a really good, with with everything that happened after the Tennessee game, if they show up tonight flat and get down early and just mail it in, it's over. It's over. But Hit up the dispensaries if you're there in Denver. That's right. Uh, if they look like they've done that, then it's over. That to be said, Naeem Hines is an offensive weapon that – we heard so much about, and Frank Reich said before the year, if you're a fantasy owner of, of Naeem Hines, you know, I, thumbs up on his stock, and we talked to him at camp, and it was like, okay, he's going to be more featured, and it, that flat out has not happened, and I think we know that Naeem Hines in space can be a good player and can be a weapon for them, but for whatever reason, they just have not gone there to him, and they have not tested that out just yet. There is, to me, there are always 
two or three games per year for the Colts, even when they've been really bad, even when they've had bad years, where they go out in the primetime games, and oftentimes it's on the road, and they just bond together and play well. Yeah, San Francisco last year. Baltimore until the end last year. Yeah, where you're just like, whoa, okay. Like, look at the Colts. Here they go. And I think sometimes when a team most needs it, when a team has its back against the wall, it's on the road where where sometimes they rise up. I don't know if it's just the the fraternal experience of being on the road together, being in a hotel together. I tra- I mean, you know, because the travel's fairly quick or just getting away from the pressures of your home environment. But sometimes teams on the road going away, that's what they need. That's the shot in the arm they need to collectively just find out who they are. But in terms of tonight with Naeem Hines, Naeem Hines has been a forgotten or an underused or a whatever weapon that they just have not even really tried out this year in terms of his number of carries, trying to get him in space, using him as a flare receiver, whatever it might be, they've forgotten about Naeem Hines. Now, Kevin, what I'm saying to you is they have no choice now. They are being forced to now remember, recognize, and be aware of Naeem Hines. And I think it's entirely possible that Naeem Hines responds to that. Now, I may be totally wrong. We may be sitting here talking tomorrow morning, and he had seven carries for 22 yards. That's entirely possible. But I just get the feeling that maybe I'm being overly optimistic here. He is going to be that ball capper, that pair of shoes that they're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about it. And this awakens a wrinkle for them that sends them in the right direction. You know, part of me is like, who, who else? You know, he he has to have an uptick in his usage. I go back to week two when you didn't have Pittman, you didn't have Pierce. That, to me, screamed Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines on the field together. And for any of our listeners that were out at Grand Park during training camp, you saw on a daily basis probably one to two rather unique ways to either get Hines the football, use him as a decoy, things like that. I don't feel like we've seen any of that, maybe one or two times all year through four games. Let's have this conversation with JMV last night, Jake. The Heinz hype was so much Ballard Reich driven. This was not like you were correct. I That's from correct. seven to ten a.m. Correct. each morning. Yep. I can think back to the season-ending presser in the indoor facility with Chris Ballard, definitely at the combine, and you mentioned the right kind of fantasy football. Um, mentioned that he had in the spring. There was a moment at the combine. I forget if it was Reich or Ballard. I think it was Frank that said. You know, we feel like we've got three big-time playmakers. Taylor, Pittman, and Hines. Uh, pretty lofty to group Naeem Hines in with those other two. But they did that, and their actions in the offseason spoke to that. They really they didn't make any notable offseason acquisitions from a veteran standpoint at the skill position. So I thought to myself, okay, they are, again, kind of backing what they feel like they have in Hines. And then here we are through four weeks in his playing time and his usage has not been as high as I thought it would be. I do find it interesting. We mentioned Jonathan Williams in the first segment. For Colts fans that think to themselves, Jonathan Williams, yeah, that name does ring a bell. 2019 season, 
Marlon Mack gets hurt. The Colts have Hines. They kind of bypass Hines, though, and they go to Jonathan Williams as the feature back, as the in-between-the-tackle guy, as the first and second down guy. Williams runs for 100 yards, over 100 yards, on Thursday night football. Do we see that tonight with Phillip Lindsay? Is Hines kept in the Hines role, and they look at Lindsay and think, this is the guy that we've kept around for a moment like this. This is where we... I think Hines will have an increase in playing time and in touches, but I think that Lindsay could be the guy that is more of the feature first and second down guy tonight. Um, I know a lot of people have asked about Deion Jackson. He's been on the 53-man roster. I think he's there for special teams. Lindsay was more effective in the preseason. And I don't believe in jinxes. And I know this is a storyline tonight when Matt Ryan has fumbled a ton and Melvin Gordon, Denver starting running back tonight, has fumbled a ton. If I'm not mistaken, Phil Lindsay's not fumbled in 800 touches in his career. <laughs> 750 and 34 seconds. On a short week, I would want to rely on that than Deion Jackson, who coughed up the football a lot at Grand Park. You know, Gordon's an interesting back because if you recall, you correct me if I'm wrong here, Kevin, this is a guy that at one time was thought of as I'm not going to say Jonathan Taylor, but wasn't there a time where Melvin Gordon was thought of as one of the bright, young running backs in the league? Was he a top 20 pick? And he's only 29 years old. I mean, that's in running back years. That's he was uh, the 15th overall pick in the draft. Obviously, you know, I mentioned I make the Taylor comparison. I mean, they're kind of linked a little bit because they're both Wisconsin guys. But if you look at his numbers... And Denver torn ACL for their starting running back. That's why Gordon will get more looks tonight. So in terms of his production, as a rusher, you know, a 1,000-yard season, but it was five years ago. But he's been right around there. I mean, the last two years, over 900 yards each and averaged over 4.5 yards per carry in the last two seasons. It's just been fumbles. He has five of them in his last 44 rushing attempts. Yeah, that's an issue. That's awful. 21 fumbles, 16 lost in his career. You know what else is awful? That literally Matt Ryan is your leading rusher, not named Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah. And part of that's probably just because he's running for his life. It's not like they're doing quarterback draws. When I think Matt Ryan, I think quarterback scramble. Oh, you think... Lamar Jackson, Michael yeah. Vick, yeah. Fran Targanen. Without standard. question. He's a blueprint. Right. Houdini-like in the open field. You know it. Jonathan Taylor averaging four yards a pop. Hines and Jackson have combined to average less than one yard By per way, carry. You said four yards a pop. Do you, are you a pop or soda guy? Or or just Coke? I really don't drink either. But I mean, if, if, if I'm saying in terms of reference. Probably soda. Mark? Pop. I think it's where I grew up. And Mark, you were born in Illinois. But I just say Coke. Hey, I'm running in the gas station. You, you, you need me to grab you a Coke? That could be. Yeah, I probably side a little Dr. bit more Pepper, there Sprite, too. Dr. Pepper, Sprite, orange drink, anything. Coke to me is a so no Pepsi contract for you. <laughs> I do. You know what's odd? Now, now, how's this for weird? I prefer Pepsi to Coke, but I prefer Diet Coke to Diet Pepsi. Uh, my mother for different folks, I guess. My mother gets a Coke from McDonald's every single day. 
There's something about the, is it the carbonation at McDonald's that I, they I do? I was told the syrup. Is that what it is? I mean, we're talking Christmas morning. She's telling my dad. My parents were like that with McDonald's coffee. When Make we run would, the McDonald's. We would drive to Florida as a family. There, it was always an understood that we would stop at certain places for McDonald's coffee. My parents lived off of it. By the way, shout out to my beautiful wife. She is 33 years old today. Really? How about that? So happy birthday to Maddie. Nothing says happy birthday like, let's sit down on the couch and watch Amazon Prime tonight, baby. <laughs> Colts and Broncos. She knew what she was getting into, right? Yeah. Oh, boy. She's ready By for By the way, how one. did you meet your wife? Uh, through friends. Okay. Did they set you up or just like you guys were at a gathering together? Yeah, more the latter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, did she go to IU? She went to IU. She went to Chittard for high school. I went to Cathedral, so kind of had mutual friends overlapping well, through rivalry there, right? that area. I mean, you know. Remember we had the caller that thought. on Friday nights. Remember that we had the caller that thought you went to Bishop Chittard? <laughs> <laughs> we did the Kevin and Jake pop quiz day. Jake, yeah, Bishop Chittard. <laughs> he is a moron. <laughs> now, Whoa. What? Where was that from? That was from wow. yesterday. Remember you go oh, that was his Frank Reich you're rant. A Frank Reich guy. His you, altitude you Frank. I don't Reich. think Frank Reich is a moron. I think if Frank Reich thinks that you don't feel the altitude in Denver when you first get there, that he's a moron in that regard. We are uh, just over 12 hours away from kickoff. Greg Gregstraw, post game show host. He could have an interesting night tonight. Probably win or lose. Uh, he's going to join us here at 8:30. Scott Agnes at nine o'clock. We will talk a little bit more of the Pacers and their preseason opener last night. Winners in Charlotte. What stood out from last night? We'll hit on that next here. Kevin and Corey. So Mark is spinning up the killers because I had mentioned that last night while watching the Dahmer show on Netflix, I became curious as to the location of Jeffrey Dahmer's chocolate factory where he had worked the overnight It's a little shift. different than Willy Wonka's Shall we say the graveyard factory. shift? Yeah. When he said chocolate factory at first, I literally thought Wonka. They, That's a golden ticket I don't want. They actually sell T-shirts there that says, like, Jeffrey and the chocolate factory. I'm like, okay. It's there a were much. some Come machinery me. in the Wonka factory that probably Dahmer would have <laughs> loved to use. <laughs> that is true. Right? Um, well, I so I'm looking up. I'm like, where exactly? Because, I, I mean, his, his apartment is gone. I've been there. I, I know this is. You, very, you've got an obsession with him. You've got all these no, no, documents no, no, no. Mark, on him. Now, and now here's the thing. You guys, you guys have only worked with me now for 11 months, so you're not aware of this total neuroticism about me. I, I do have obsession is the wrong word. Fascination. Fascinations maybe more creepiness. Okay, flippancy aside or weirdo aside. Whenever there are stories that are ubiquitous within pop culture or the news in general, I get fascinated by seeing, after you see or hear about the images of something so often, I always want to go and see live and in person where things took place and like try to imagine, like, wow, like that's where this was. And oftentimes those stories are, in fact, crime stories. So I have been to a lot of different places where notorious things have happened in this country. I will readily admit that. In terms of Dahmer, his, you know, I've had to cover a lot of racism, been in Milwaukee. I love the city of Milwaukee in general. but So I went to his apartment. It's no longer there. It is just an empty lot. But I never researched where the chocolate, you know, they everyone knows when he was, not everyone, but when he was arrested, it was like, this guy that works at a chocolate place, he had just been fired from there when they finally caught on to him but 
at any rate, I wanted to know where the chocolate factory was, and it had been around for like 70 years in downtown Milwaukee. Shortly after Dahmer was arrested, like a couple of years later, I don't think because of that, but they relocated the factory. I think it's still in existence, but it's like now out in the suburbs. And the location of the chocolate factory where he worked was torn down and was just an empty lot, probably partially because of that factoid once it all came out, until the city of Milwaukee built the Bucks' new arena on that location, on that parcel of land. And the very first event that they had at the location in the new arena was a concert, and it was the Killers and the Violent Femmes. No wonder the Pacers always get blown out there. Stabbing westward unavailable. I said that was a missed opportunity. That could fine, have, uh, fine young cannibals also. They tried to reunite them, but... Should have built a pork Pacers preseason opener. Okay. Last <laughs> night. It's a bad meat. Sorry. <laughs> Scott Agnes going to join us at 9 o'clock. We've talked a lot about the Bally Sports <laughs> thing here over the past few months. I, I do want to credit the Pacers. I thought their announcement yesterday on... Ticket package plus subscription to Bally Sports Plus is a pretty good offer. Is it perfect? No. And again, I think it's more of a league-wide issue. But the package the Pacers are offering, and we'll confirm this with Scott Agnes coming up at 9 o'clock, you would have to spend, which again is a significant amount of money. I don't want to deny that, but I think the value for your money is pretty good. If you spend around 200 bucks, you're getting a six-game ticket package. To home games at Gamebridge. You get a autographed mini ball by either I think you get an autographed mini ball, post-game meet and greet, and at the meet and greet will either be Matherin, Turner, Duarte, or Halliburton. Okay. I mean that's your four big stars. So it's not right? like you're meeting, you know. Correct. Insert James Johnson, Langston Galloway here. And then you're getting the six month subscription to Bally Sports. So six game ticket package autograph mini ball post game meet and greet you get to watch every single Pacers game this season now again you're spending about 200 bucks if you want to get the cheapest ticket I think of that package which is a lot of money I don't want to deny that but I think the return on that is pretty good yeah now the six game package and I'm sorry if you mentioned this is that your own choosing of the six games, or do they say, that's here a, are the, the options? That's a good question. I, I, I do not know that. We'll ask that to Scott Agnes coming up. It, the, one tweak I would like to see made, Jake, is like, what about a one-to-two game package? You know, like a two-to-three game package. I mean, six games is still, that's a lot of commitment that's for someone that lives, let's say you live 45 minutes away from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I mean, six games is a good amount. Does it specify that? Could it be like six single tickets or does it have to be like a group of four? I would hope it could be single. I mean, what if you're living alone and yeah. well, I didn't know if just you wanted to, to go, like go the game by yourself? Minimum two tickets per game or something yeah. like that. Uh, those are probably some good details that we should look into. Uh, but last night, the Pacers win their preseason opener 122-97. to uh, I think the defense and then just the ability to get to the foul line. Yeah, listen... They're going to, and this is what's going to be. If you're a glass half full guy or gal, this is going to be looking at it optimistically. If you are a glass half empty guy or gal, this is looking at it in a frustrating manner. 
and that is they're going to have nights where an Aaron Neesmith or a Benedict Matherin or a Chris Duarte looks really good and gets to the free throw line and is offensively aggressive and gives you 15 to 20 points, and you're like, wow, okay. And then, and that's going to be intriguing and exciting to see. But they're young players that are finding their way through, and the Pacers are finding out what they have in them. And so as a result of that, those players are also going to have nights where they go 0 for 6. And you're like, what is going on? And you're going to be totally mad as hell about it and frustrated. And that's where they're going to be. Because, again, they are – I think the Pacers, to use the NFL equivalency – Kevin, I think the Pacers' mentality is simply this, and I think I do think this makes sense. I think the Pacers finally realized, and maybe it was two or three years too late, quite frankly, but I think the Pacers finally realized that building a team, hoping to play yourself into the 4-5 matchup, and instead settling for the 6-2 or set or excuse me 6-3 or 7-2 matchup to begin the Eastern Conference playoffs and getting and being excited about going to game 7 in round 1 i think they realized that that was a quicksand they couldn't get out of and that was the equivalent of an NFL team going 10 and 7 every year and replacing their quarterback every 2 years with another veteran to try to get themselves into a wild card or divisional round of the playoffs, and that's it. Those are difficult quicksands to get out of. The Miami Dolphins are aware of it. The Colts are probably becoming aware of it. It's like the Vikings are in that group. The Vikings are aware of it, absolutely. And I think the the Pacers just looked at it and went, you know, do we want to be the Utah Jazz? Do we want, or do we want to just go ahead and strip this thing down and look at the blueprint of the the Memphis Grizzlies and the Phoenix Suns and roll with that? And I think they finally decided, and again, you could make the argument it happened two or three two years too late and right, people are right. checked out. But I think they've just decided, you know what, let's just be transparent up front and say, here's what we're doing. And we are we are literally, the arena just underwent a massive renovation, and that's exactly what our franchise is doing. And what I say to the Pacers is, it takes a lot to admit that, all right, this isn't working. What we've built over the last few years, there's a ceiling that's too low. It's not working. It's not modern. We've got to do something drastically different. And I think that's hard. I mean, it's hard for any human being to admit that they're wrong or that they to admit that they need to do something differently, particularly when the people are still in place in those spots. So from Herb Simon to Kevin Pritchard, uh, those will probably be the two because Carlisle kind of came in in the midst of this recent era. Kudos to them for doing that, and that's why I think you have fans that I, – I, I feel like the vast majority of the fan base, Jake, understands what the Pacers are trying to do, willing to give them a chance, optimistic about it, and I think last night was a small glimpse of why. It's a team that – Jake, they shot it like one for 11 from three at half last night, and they had scored nearly 60 points. Why? Because they've got more athleticism. They've got guys that can finish at the rim, and they shot 20 foul shots in right. the first half. They they have changed their approach. They're going to shoot it better. I don't think they're going to be some awful shooting team from three. But last night, when the shots weren't falling from the perimeter, 
they now have a little bit more skill set and talent to get into the paint, to finish at the rim, to get to the foul line. And that's one of the many reasons why I think they're going to exceed their win total of 23 and a half for this season. Uh, Speaking of skill set and talent in the Pacers, Kevin, would you be more excited this year to display your skill set and talent uh, for another chance at the knockout thing that I didn't really understand how you play that or the human bowling? Yeah, I got to get back to knockout. I need another (laughs) shot at it. You were a quick exit. Quick exit would be a good way to describe it. Um, What does Rick Carlisle say? It was fun while it lasted. Well, (laughs) yep, that would have been me in knockout. Human bowling, I... I, I was a bit surprised that I wasn't invited to the NBA All, All-Star game for that. Well, it was uh, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. That was like Cole Beasley's time with the Bucks. Did you see that too? And I saw his agent's statement about Cole Beasley retiring from the Bucks. Was that a shot at Tom Brady? We haven't talked about that. Tom Brady's taking shots all over the place these days. Apparently so, right? I saw someone mention that Tom Brady should just go, uh, is it Leonardo DiCaprio that only dates 25 and under? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone's Correct. like, hey, Brady's got to go there now. I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Giselle's worth more than him, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Does Brady, you know, I said yesterday, I, listen, people's personal relationships, I, you know, we never, you never know what happens, right? I mean, you, you did raise an interesting point, though, Kevin, in terms of did Brady's marital issues factor into why he was gone for part of camp? Is that factoring into, you know, is there a level of, is there a level of narcissism within Tom Brady that has both negatively impacted his life away from football but positively impacted the way he approaches the game? I mean, I think that's yeah. entirely possible, right? For sure. But, and I, I don't even know. We only know that they both have hired an attorney, right? They're not actually filed for, do we know? I mean, again, I, I thought divorce lawyer was the headline that I saw. Yeah, okay. She's an attractive gal, right? He, he, he Giselle? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I mean, you don't get called a supermodel for yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's probably he's, the lightest compliment she's ever received. He's become a, a bizarre-looking fellow, right? Yeah, you are very caught up in his look. He, he I hate to say this. You like think a, he looks like rubber. He doesn't look well. He looks like one of those Wiggles characters or one of those, uh, not Wiggles, what's the... Wiggles? I feel like I told Rosie Not Wiggles, to hold on. I don't have kids, so bear with me here. I'm going off of when my... Gumby? Nephew and nieces were younger. A teletubby? No, there's a there's a TV show. I mentioned this before. There's a TV show that has like an antagonist and then uh, other people that are, and it's out of Iceland. It's not the Wiggles, but it's it's out of Iceland. Help me out here. Somebody help me out. And, and they've I'm not all... on my Icelandic children. <laughs> Boy, Jake is in full no, scramble mode I, here. When I say computer. this, you guys no are going to be like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. We rotate Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, Paw Patrol. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going international. That's that Icelandic kids show we're always talking about. Really trying to get Rosie in the Icelandic language here. I think you're just making stuff up now. I- I'm telling you. Now, hang on. I think it might be Lazy Town. Not watching the Dahmer sequence or Dahmer documentary. He's watching Iceland <laughs> children's shows. I just know that. Okay, it's, it is. It's Lazy Town is the name of the show. It was out from 2002 to 2014. 
and it's done out of Iceland. But the like the the, the people on it have like weird. They're like, I don't know how to describe them, but they look like Tom Brady. Like, he's like an odd-looking dude. He has, like, weird hair. Like and action figure, basically? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this from Wes. <laughs> Do you think Rick Carlisle had a massive... Is there anybody out there that's heard of Lazy Town? Am I the only person that's ever heard of this yeah, show? There, I, there, are, there are some people trying to I'm looking at pictures. Yeah. I've seen it. I had no idea it was an Icelandic television show, though. I think this is interesting from Wes. Do you think Rick Carlisle had... Rick Carlisle had a massive influence on convincing Herb Simon and Kevin Pritchard to fully rebuild. Say that one more time. Do you think Rick Carlisle had a massive influence on convincing Herb and Kevin Pritchard to rebuild? Um, Fully rebuild. I don't know the answer to this, but I would say this. I think actually it was more so that that initially Larry Bird and then Kevin Pritchard did. So So... Herb Simon gets critiqued a lot. I had this conversation the other day with somebody. Herb Simon gets critiqued a lot from people that are like, they have an owner that want to spend money. Uh, Larry Bird went to Herb Simon and said, for us to be successful, we need a G League team. So they went out and they got the Mad Ants. And then they said, we need a we need a facility that players are comfortable being in. So they built the Ascension St. Vincent Center. And listen, to be competitive in terms of the entertainment dollar in this market, we need to improve our facilities, and they redid Gambridge Fieldhouse. True, the salary cap would be the one thing that he's been more stubborn about, but in terms of trying to make the Pacers viable, Herb Simon has not had to have his arm twisted. I think Rick Carlisle, I don't know this, and we're going to have Rick Carlisle on, I think, sometime next week, and maybe we can ask him this. I think it was more that Carlisle was... And we're having Joe Madden on, by the way, next week. Asked, uh, He's the guy that says, just don't suck, right? Try not to suck. Try not to suck, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but Rick Carlisle, I think they went to and said, here's what we're going to do, are you cool with this, as opposed to him saying, here's what I want to do, are you cool with it? I commend all parties involved for that. Um, and I think last night, you know, a guy like... Neesmith, who really struggled in summer league, and again, was pretty much straight to the Pacers that week. Um, not an ideal environment for him to be thrown into. He falls a little bit into the Jalen Smith category of a team that drafted a guy in the lottery on a loaded roster, and in particular, Neesmith's case, he was behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know, where is he going to get consistent minutes? He was drafted, if I'm not mistaken, in that COVID draft, so that, I think, restricted some development for those guys. And now he comes here, and we'll see what the opportunity presents itself. There will be no shortage of chances for Jalen Smith and Aaron Smith, ironically enough, to try and reach the potential that Phoenix and Boston respectively thought when they drafted him. And that's the beauty of what the Pacers are doing. They fully embraced it. They need to continue to do that. Um, getting return on investment for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald at some point are going to be avenues that they need and should explore. But I really, really commend that organization for doing what they're doing. Because I, I I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's easy to admit. And I don't think it's easy in a market like this when you've been such a consistent team that has been above the median, just barely above the median, for you to admit that. By the way, uh, somebody points out, this is pretty good, uh, Tom Brady looks like a cult leader. That's probably fair, right? He doesn't. It's not so far. He hasn't aged as much as Well, that. I would argue he is one, right? With this TB12 method? Ah, boy, that's a good point. 
That's a really good point. Uh, I, Fraggle Rock is what I'd said last week, right? That he looks kind of like a Fraggle Rock character. Wes, should just, Herb Simon take Chris Bauer to lunch and show him how to rebuild the team? <laughs> Ooh, boy, that is harsh. Well, there are people, I'm telling you, I've actually had people say to me, you know, it's really interesting in this town, the Pacers and the Colts, there is kind of this subtle rivalry between the two in terms of they're, they're always kind of looking at what the other one's doing because obviously both are competing for the same entertainment dollar. And I think they know that when one's doing well, it can carry over for fan interest and, and such. And, you know, there was a time where the Colts and Pacers both had their be- the best record within their respective leagues at the same time, simultaneously. And those are wonderful times. But it's been a lot of yin and yang in, in terms of the two of them and when they've been good and the other has struggled and et cetera. And obviously the Colts have enjoyed this long run here. But the Pacers' transparency for the very first time of just saying and admitted, you know, and basically asking for patience and forgiveness from a fan base to begin the season, I actually have heard, Kevin, a decent number of people that have said, you know what, I wish the Colts would do that and just say, you know what, we got to start this deal over. Andrew Luck set us back. We're going to have to go out and draft a young quarterback and, and help grow him organically and get young pieces, and it's going to be a rough two years, but the NFL, you can turn around pretty darn quick, so just bear with us. I, I'm not saying that's what they should do. I, I don't personally think they should scale it down to that level of the basement, but I do think that there are people that look at the Pacers model and just say, you know what, a kudos to them, and maybe the Colts, if they have to go that route, should experiment with being that transparent. I think – the similarity that I would like to see with the Colts towards the Pacers is the Pacers finally realized they needed to get modern. The Pacers were built like a team in Correct. the 80s or 90s. And the Colts are built like a team in the 90s or early 2000s. And finally, the Pacers said, okay, Turner and Sabonis cannot work. Correct. We have got to get rid of one of them. When will the Colts say how they're built is not working? No. Do you see that? Are you familiar with Rugrats? I've heard of Rugrats. Of course. Well, I don't know. He's watching Lazy Town in Iceland. I, I thought it was here's a fair thing. question. Now, hold on. Justin just compared me to Chucky Finster from Rugrats in the YouTube chat. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a compliment. Uh, you don't have the mane of hair that Chucky has. If Listen. You do have the nasally voice kind of going this morning. I, allergies can, are killing me right now. Can somebody have my back glasses, on this? I assume the glasses That's not very well. nice, if, Tommy. If people have children that are like of late high school or early college age, are they familiar with Lazy Town? Because that's my nephew is a sophomore, a junior in college. My niece is a senior in high school. When they were like toddlers is when Lazy Town, I think it was on maybe Nickelodeon or one of those like kids channel that – Whatever, I don't know what the kids' yeah. channels are. Nickelodeon. But it was big yeah. in like 2000, you know, it was big 17 years I've ago. I've definitely seen it because uh, my my uh, cousins who were Jake, like, the, the, 20 there years are, younger, I've, they've seen it. There are several people that have mentioned that they've heard of it. So, yeah, okay. I, I don't want to act like you're, you know, <laughs> totally in the clouds. But Greg goes, shouldn't you guys wait for actual results before you start celebrating this Pacers rebuild? I, I celebrate a change of plan, a change of direction. Um, obviously, there's steps to the celebration. There's steps to the results that need to happen. But we knew the result with the previous era. We knew what was going to happen. So I will clap. 
for them in doing something different that needed to be done. Um, it's a step in the right direction. There are obviously a ton of more pieces that need to be added, development, all of those things. But it's a change of process that was necessary. And until you got to that admittance, you're going to be stuck in mud. Which of the Muppets is it that's the stagehand? Is that Scooter? Is that his name? Because Brady's starting to look a little bit like that too, right? Like not necessarily Beaker, but he's getting oddly thin and, and weird looking. I don't know if I've ever heard of someone so critical of the um, attractiveness of Tom Brady. I'm worried Giselle. about him, though. Like, something's going on here with this guy. What was your phrase of Giselle? She's somewhat attractive? Is that what he said? She's an attractive gal. He asked if she was attractive. Kind of. Yeah. Greg Rankstraw, speaking of attractive, he's going to join us here in about five minutes. Uh, Scott Agnes, by the way, one of my buddies just said they saw Rake at a local coffee shop. Well, oh, there's Tweety's on like a 19-hour, like, whirlwind today rake used to hang out at the coffee shop attached to mo and johnny's which i I think is no longer there. oh stone what was it something stone what was it called i used to see right there i used to love that okay thank you thank you thank you to whoever just sent me this 100 percent. my son is 17 and we watched that show all the time brady looks a lot like the bad guy with the mustache actually i think that guy's dead now okay Somebody else wanted to know. He didn't stay on. He wants Boy, to know if you've ever been uplifting. to Fox Hollow. Because of your Mark, obsession with. I, I don't want to say any. Listen, and we're up against it. I'll do this in 20 seconds. I don't. I honestly, I don't want to say any names because there are still family members of the Fox Hollow Farms crimes within the area. The perpetrator of the Fox Hollow Farms crimes. I'm not going to say any names. I grew up in the same subdivision as, and he took me to a culture club concert in 1983 because my sisters were like the primary babysitters and traveling like almost nanny for that family before they moved to Fox Hollow and everything went awry. So, yes, I'm familiar with it. Okay. Uh, Greg Rakestaw is going to join us here in about five minutes. Again, Scott Agnes at the Didn't top. Didn't think you were going there, did the you, Mark? Hour. Well, I don't know anything about it. He, some guy asked Okay. Him. Let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. There are definitely people in their car like, whoa, Query just dropped a nugget there that needs more exploration, but I've got to be respectful to the situation. How much are we going to see Philip Lindsay tonight? No Jonathan Taylor for the Colts. Uh, Philip Lindsay can be called up from the practice squad. Uh, I think 4 o'clock is the deadline for that. The former Denver running back, former Pro Bowl Denver running back, a couple thousand yard seasons there. Here was Frank Reich earlier in the week before Taylor was ruled out on Philip Lindsay. Um, you know, certainly be a, a consideration. Again, that, that would go into the category of, you know, if JT doesn't play, you know, then we'll, we'll have that plan. And he would definitely be a strong consideration. Glad he's, you know, glad he's on the roster. I feel very confident. Being a former Pro Bowl player, you know, thousand-yard seasons. I'm, you know, really glad he's here. Again, I think this is why you have him. I, I was just going to say the same thing, So do right? practice squad players travel with the team? 
Because um, if they haven't called him up, he's already there, obviously. Right. I think typically they do, and in particular, you're going to travel your practice squad guys that you feel like will get called up yeah. or could get called so up. So are the practice squad guys, like on the Saturday when they arrive, people are like, you want to go out and get something to eat? And they're like, I, I don't know. I'm, I've still got to find out what time I need to be home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. I think the practice squad guys have got to love this week. They don't practice on the short week. Still get that check, baby. Still get that check. Uh, NBA last night, Pacers won 22-97 winners over the Charlotte Hornets in their first preseason game of the year. They were led by Aaron Neesmith with 16. He was 6 of 6 from the free throw line. Benedict Matherin had 15, 12 points for Miles Turner, and 12 for Chris Duarte. And next up for the Pacers, Friday night in preseason action, then next Wednesday and Friday, and then their season will open up in less than two weeks. That's Wednesday the 19th. For the Pacers. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs start tomorrow. Uh, The series here, again, uh, six teams in each um, league get into the playoffs. You got buys uh, for the first and the second seed there. It'll be the Rays and the Guardians. The winner of that will get the Yankees. Mariners, Blue Jays. The winner of that gets the Astros in the the NL. Phillies and Cards. The winner gets the Braves and Padres and Mets. The winner getting the Dodgers. Uh, Greg Rakestraw, who has a very long day ahead of him because it's going to be a late night taking calls on this radio station. As a matter of fact, after the Colts-Broncos game, we'll find out what he predicts might be the mood of said calls. When we talk to him next, Kevin and Corey, 93.5-1075, The Fan. So in Lazy Town from Iceland, apparently, and thank you to Jason who points this out, the fixed expression glossy face adults will result from always being bad in their behavior on Lazy Town. And that's I'm saying that's what Tom Brady looks like now. And there again, that show originated in Iceland. And then a fun fact, of course, being that Iceland is green and Greenland is ice. And that was all misnamed because the Vikings didn't want anybody going to either one of them. There you go. Hubbard and Cravens for Greg Rakestraw this morning. A buddy of mine said he spotted Rake there, and I asked him, why didn't you go up and take a selfie with him? Rake's got a big day. He has been up and early, Wish TV this morning. He's joining us now, and he will end his night in the studio. Pro- uh, Rake, if I set the over-under at 2 a.m. tonight, will you still be in here? We will still be in here. So technically, because John starts his pregame at 5.30, which I'm a part of that tonight, too, because no Joe Wrights this evening, no Jeffrey Gorman tonight. So I have the split doubleheader pre and post tonight. So I'm on with John from Joe's Grill from 530 to 730. And then Barry, Billy, and myself go on at about 1130. And we will take it till 230 in the morning. Boy, the Thirsty Thursday calls. That's going to be a... It's going to be a fun show for people that are up, win or lose. I can only imagine what some of those calls are like. You know what? What we do is we actually get third shifters who are so excited to have somebody to talk to. We get great phone calls at 1.45 in the morning on these weeknight games. Seriously. I guess that that makes sense. Uh, Greg Rakestraw, he's with us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. No Jonathan Taylor. I've kind of been saying – this morning, Rank, I think it'll be an uptick in Naeem Hines' usage, but I really think Philip Lindsay could be like the team's leading rusher tonight if that's, you know, how they've operated in the past. Jonathan Williams a few years back, and, you know, there's a reason why you got Lindsay on the roster. How do you see those running back carries being divided up? The, the thing I, I think I would go with would be less running back carries, period. Um, you know, long term, if you're without Jonathan Taylor, you're screwed. Um, short term, on a short week, where the other team can barely game plan, 
and now you have a chance with a veteran quarterback to do something completely different offensively. I am hoping this is a game where they are more reliant on Matt Ryan, and obviously given some of the issues they have had in terms of, of blocking of all kinds, I hope this is a quick tempo, short pass, get the ball out of his hands type of game for Matt Ryan. That's that's my hope. Now in terms of carries, sure. More Philip Lindsay. I'm sure we'll see some of Deion Jackson. That's fine too. But frankly, uh, even though kind of the idea going into the season was, hey, let's not put this on Matt Ryan on this game. Let's put this on Matt Ryan. Let's see what happens. Uh, Greg Regstraw, who's also playing Frogger, joins us on the Payless Liquors guest line. Greg, uh, question is, do they can they rely on Matt Ryan? Is there enough body of work so far in his Colts tenure to know that, yes, in fact, they can rely on him and he can carry him tonight? That is a wonderful question and a fair question to ask. And my thought would be is if they can protect him, yes, you can. Uh, and if you look back at last week, you know, and I heard Kevin talk about this earlier, that it was the passing game is, is what got the Colts back into the game. That's absolutely the case. I want to say before he took the sack yardage out, what, 27 of 37, 356 yards, and those two touchdowns, I think they can, but it's all about can the guys up front do the job knowing how good of a defense you are playing against this week in the Broncos. Greg Rankstraw, busy Thursday for him. You'll hear him on the pregame show. Our coverage is going to begin at 5.30 on that, and then postgame show, uh, he'll be right here in studio recapping week five from Denver. Rake, um, I feel like this is kind of a coin flip game, and I think part of the reason for the optimism is Denver has struggled, and I feel like the pass rush plan you use with Patrick Mahomes in week three, I think there's a lot of similar elements in trying to get after Russell Wilson, who is dealing with a right shoulder injury tonight. Correct, and again, this is a Denver team that, while defensively solid, you know, offensively, I, I didn't really like their pieces, and so I, I thought Denver would be better with Russell Wilson because I thought they were one of the worst teams at the quarterback position over the course of the last couple of years. But I didn't think he immediately made them a Super Bowl contender. I thought he made them a fringe wildcard contender, and, and we're kind of seeing that. And, and frankly, Russell has not been as good. There has been an adjustment period for him going to Denver, and as you mentioned, he is now hurt. Then you lose a running back. Uh, with a knee injury for the season, and you've got to figure out how that changes now on such a short week. So, you know, we have talked about this being a race to 20. It might be a race to 17, uh, you know, coming up in this game because I'm I'm not sure either offense has, uh, has covered itself in glory so far this year. Greg, let me present you with a theory I threw to Kevin this morning off the top of the show. Yep. And that is that – and I know this happens with you. We, we all have like that thing around the house that we had completely forgotten about, whether it be a, a pair of shoes or a, a, a jacket or whatever. And you're like, oh, man, I completely forgot I had that. And then you start wearing it, and you're like, man, this is pretty nice. I should have started wearing this earlier. Is that Naeem Hines for the Colts, and do they find that out tonight? Do they rediscover Naeem Hines tonight, and all of a sudden the wrinkles that we were promised finally come to fruition? Man, I certainly hope so. Uh, just because you, know, you, you think of the two games where this offense has struggled the most, at least out of the gate, the entirety of the game against Jacksonville. On the first drive, Naeem Hines has two catches, and one of those goes for 23 yards. And then he seemingly up and vanishes for the rest of the game. You know, other than any potential punt returns, he was non-existent uh, on Sunday uh, against the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, again, it, it's kind of like, 
kind of like what, what we complain about with the, with the slow start of this team overall and in first halves. Part of what makes us complain about it even more is the fact that it was so talked about in the offseason, and it's the same old, same old, and the same thing for Naeem Mines. Ever All the conversation in the offseason was, hey, we're going to get him more involved. Hey, that was part of the problem last year is that Hines' touches went down. We want to get him on the field with Jonathan Taylor. We want to make sure that, that, that he is playing a larger role, and poof, he's not there on Sunday. So, yes, it would be nice to slip into those comfortable old shoes. But, again, what I don't want to see him use as is, well, Jonathan Taylor's not here. Next man up, hand the ball to 21, 20 times. No, that, that's not where he's effective. Find creative ways in a short week to get him more involved in the game plan. Is it possible that the chatter about Naeem Hines at the beginning of the year was a smokescreen? I don't think so. And again, I'll go back. This is a line that we've used about the offensive line. You know, you're, you need to be what your contract says you are. Again, this is a player that, well, you know, three years and $6 million a year, basically, I believe is what his contract deal is. Uh, that is it's huge dollars in the NFL. That's major dollars for a backup running back or for kind of a fourth or fifth piece as, as part of your option. You need to use him. So, no, I don't think that was a smokescreen. I think it's just a still figuring this out as the season gets started. Greg Regstraw from ISC Sports and Network is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, Rake Saturday, Purdue with a huge win at Minnesota. Jeff Brom called it one of his prouder moments in his tenure there in West Lafayette. And all of a sudden, ESPN, they're talking about Devin Mockabee, and they say he's from Boonville, Indiana. And I'm thinking to myself, the only reason I know Boonville is because they had a great golfer back when I was in high school named Griffin Wood. I had no idea they were producing Division One football players. I loved how that kid ran, and I liked hearing a little bit more about his story. Had you ever heard of Devin Mockabee before Saturday? Yes, because he was, he was putting up huge numbers. Uh, so his high school coach in Darren Ward coached not when I was in high school. He's not that old. But the next town over in Corden, a program that has rarely had success in football, but when Darren was there, they were pretty good uh, at the 3A level. And Boonville, I want to say, is 4A in football and then 3A in the other sports. Wow, that so I big? That puts, I, I think that puts them in the enrollment category, like 700 and 900, uh, I want to say. And it's in uh, what county, Greg, and like the county seat or the rival high school of Boonville would be what? Boonville is the county seat. It is in Warwick County, which is the county that is due east of Evansville. Okay. A much larger school would be Castle, uh, which, you know, even though they are not in Vanderburg County, they compete against all of the other Evansville so schools. So we're starting to talk like Hoosier National like Forest, right? Uh, what's that? I, I said we're talking like Hoosier National Forest area. Uh, on the very fringe western end of the Hoosier National Forest. Gotcha. Hoosier National Forest is more over in my direction, like Orange County, Crawford County, Perry County, is where typically that is uh, in terms of uh, southwestern Indiana. So Boonville is basically an Evansville suburb, more or less. And I believe that Devin had committed to go play at Navy and was either there and left or never made it to the Naval Academy. He put up gargantuan numbers at Boonville. He was a track so star, too, I saw. Had had Division One interest. Uh, but for whatever reason, ended up not going there and won an absolute find for Purdue. 
The other thing I wanted to mention, last Friday I was fortunate, well, along with Brendan King, to call Brownsburg and Zionsville. We are a week out, or I should say, we're just a couple of days out from the sectional yep. draw here uh, for the boys' high school football tournament. Oh, my, Rake, Brownsburg. I, I, I did not have 50-3 to three on my bingo card with them in Zionsville and a running clock for the final 16 minutes of the game. I, I swear they've got to have at least six or seven Division One players. They do, uh, and, and you have heard me say repeatedly, hey, I think Brownsburg's the number one team, but I do think there, there's not as big of a gap from number one to everybody else um, as, as we've seen for most of the last four or five years. After last week, that might be a bit of a different statement. Now, again, Cathedral played them in week two. It was a seven-point game. Cathedral helped them out with a couple of short fields and a couple of inopportune turnovers. Um, you know, when they played Ben Davis in week number one, um, Ben Davis was without their starting quarterback because he was a young man that had transferred from Brownsburg and wasn't eligible to play in, in, until week number two in Thomas Gotkowski, and that is a potential opening around sectional game for them. So the path is going to be difficult for Brownsburg, but obviously if they play like they did last week, they probably got a gear that I'm not sure anybody else can get to. But the thing is, we're going to learn a lot more about Brownsburg next week because just the way it's shaped up, they and Hamilton Southeastern don't play each other until the final week of the regular season. And both those teams are both undefeated overall and in the HCC, which means there will be a wonderful conference championship game and potential state finals rematch that will be played next week in week number nine to end the regular season. Greg, give me one more time. Greg Rakestraw on the panel Sugar's guest line. Uh, the rundown in terms of what you will be doing uh, both before and after the game in terms of radio coverage that people can hear here on the fan. All right. At 530, uh, I will be joining JMV and Bill Brooks at Joe's Grill in Westfield uh, for uh, the countdown to kickoff. And then I will come home and watch the first half from uh, the Rakestraw Radio Ranch, uh, tickets are not available. Uh, on my way home, I'll be stopping by Query and Schultz at Lou Malnati's in Broad Ripple. I invited Kevin Bowen. That way, Jake, you have both your work wives there. But he was a little busy, you know, celebrating his actual wife's birthday today. Uh, so he can't make it. Uh, but then at halftime, I will head downtown, watch the second half from the fan studios, and then Bill Brooks, Barry Krause, and yours truly will have post-game coverage, and hopefully we're all A, awake and be in a good mood after a Colts win until 2.30 in the morning. I think it's possible they're going to win, man. I'm telling you. I do, too. I yeah. do, too. Yeah. I mean, the spread's three and a half. I, I, I think it's probably – I, I think, think it's a watershed game. It's for, close to a coin flip. I think it's two franchises that it is a watershed game, Greg. I really do think yep. that one of them is going to go in one direction from this, and the other, uh, it sends them into a heap that you don't want to be in. I think that is a very fair point. It is a fulcrum point for the 2022 season for either of these two teams. Rake, pound the coffee, and as always, thank you, my man. You got it, bud. Thanks for the time, fellas. That's Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. It, it's interesting, Jake, how similar these two teams are. In Correct. the new quarterback situation, both teams without their starting running backs tonight, both teams with key defensive injuries. We mentioned Shaquille Leonard for the Colts. Randy Gregory, the HSC product, their best pass rusher, will not play tonight due to a knee injury. And you think we've been critical of Frank Reich? Has there been a more nationally criticized coach this year than Nathaniel Hackett? Yeah, no question. The crowd is chanting the play clock to him because he's mismanaged it so badly you see that that's, have you guys been to a game in denver that's not good no i'd love to go yeah it's yeah cool. it's one of my favorite environments 
It's it's a cool place. Denver's a cool city. No question about it. Um, all right. Uh, Scott Agnes is going to join us here in about 10 or 15 minutes. Not only will we talk to Pacers preseason opener from last night, a big win there in Charlotte. We'll also update you on the Bally Sports situation and that package that we talked about earlier involving tickets to Pacers games this year plus a subscription to Bally Sports. We'll explain that more when Scott joins us here at the top of the hour. So this will be another nice day here in Indianapolis. Kevin and Query, 93.5 on a 7.5, the fan. Jake, it's uh, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet tonight. They've done a nice job. They I have. Mean, I thought Herbstreet's been really good. Listen, Al Michaels is, to me, and maybe it's, well, I, hell, I can't say age bias because this would be the case for people for 40-plus years, right? I mean, when you hear his voice, it's like, oh. okay. Here we go. Big time. And, you know, he's to me, Al Michaels is the best to ever do it. Um, I think I told the story, Kevin. I told you guys off air, but I think people would find it interesting. When... ABC was doing Monday Night Football, and Al Michaels was part of the broadcast. It was Al Michaels, John Madden, and Michelle Tafoya. I worked at Channel 6 in a very, very subservient, behind-the-scenes role. But I enjoyed it. It was a great job. Um, And they were coming into town. They had a pep rally out here on the circle. I think this might have been the first time I ever met Jeffrey Gorman, if that tells you what era this would have been. Um, And so... They had a limo pick up John Madden, Al Michaels, and Michelle Tafoya, and they had and they said, "Can you go down, Jake? Can we send you down and you get in the limo with them just to make sure they know where they're going?" Oh, sure, yeah, okay. So this limo picks me up at Channel Six, and we go down, and I said, "Well, where's their hotel?" And it was the Westin right here on whatever the Westin's on Illinois, and I'm like, "Well, that's one block over. Literally, it's one spoke." They, they would have had to walk across Market Street for one block. Now, to the credit of those three, they had no idea. They just were told a car's going to pick you up and take you to this ABC pep rally. So we get in the limo, and we literally had to go like two blocks around the corner to, to get because of the, the way the traffic was routed. So I go to pick them up, and Al Michaels looks at me. I told you guys this story off the air. but And he says, and he's asking me the lyrics to Back Home Again in Indiana. And he said, now let me ask you something. You're from here, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, is it is it candle shining bright or gleaming bright? You know, we went over that. And he said, because I want to sing it to everybody when we get on the circle. And I'm like, okay. So we get on Monument Circle, and Al Michaels gets up on the stage, and he starts out by singing Back Home Again in Indiana. Great. So like two or three years later, they decide to do the same thing again, and they needed me to again go pick up Michelle Tafoya, John Madden, and Al Michaels. And so I go and I do so. And Al Michaels comes down the, el- the, the like escalator in the lobby of the elevator and walks right up to me and the, it looks at me immediately and goes, now, it's candles burning bright or gleaming bright? I mean, <laughs> like picked up the conversation as if I'd known him for 30 years. And that's I don't awesome. know if that's like the photographic memory. I mean, because you got to figure he does that in every market, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, does stuff like that. I don't know if that's the photographic memory or just, but there are certain people where you meet them and you're like, you know what? It is such a gift that he was able to make me feel like he knew me or liked me or whatever. And that is such a human, and listen, he's got an ego. I mean, you can see it on television. He's got an ego. There's no question about it. And ABC people, you know, will say that 
back in the day that he had a lot of requests and whatever else. But um, I think a brilliant mind, but a brilliant broadcaster. Uh, again, for the local audience out there tonight, RTV6 will pick up the Amazon Prime feed. So you will be able to watch tonight. I think the Monday night games this year on ESPN are being picked up by Wish. I would have to double check that. I think those are um, on RTV also. They are? They have been, yeah, because it's, some... it's an ABC affiliate, so ESPN ABC. I thought for some reason someone told me they were Wish, um, but I will double check that be, as we I get deeper into the Monday night games or not till the Monday after Thanksgiving and the Monday after Christmas, both of those home games, Pittsburgh and the Chargers. Um, again, tonight the line, Colts three-and-a-half-point underdog there. Uh, I assume the Philip Lindsay story will be something that Mike – or uh, not Mike Tirico, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit – We'll hit on tonight. Uh, the Denver native should get called up from the practice squad. We'll see how big of a workload he carries with Jonathan Taylor out. Uh, we come back. Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. We'll chat Pacers preseason opener last night. The takeaways from that and get Scott's thoughts on the Bally Sports announcement earlier this week. Kevin Aquari, 9 o'clock hour is here. 9 o'clock hour here on Kevin and Quarry. The sun not shown itself yet? You know, it started to peak. Hey, let, let me check. Hang on. I thought it was supposed to be a really nice day. I can see a slight sliver of it just to the right of the city-county building, which means nothing to you nor the people listening to here. But I can simply tell you that there is a it, there appears to be a slight... Would you uh, like to go outside and check? ...area where the clouds are permeable. High of 77 today. It's going to dip to 60... Friday and Saturday, back into the 70s, it looks like, early next week. Uh, let's head to the Payless Lickers Hotline right now, and Scott Agnes finally can join us and talk about an actual basketball game. But again, it wouldn't be a Scott Agnes interview without a little bit of Bally Sports talk, which we'll get to later in the segment. Scott, I get it was the preseason, fully acknowledge that, but last night was a reminder of just how bad the Pacers' defense was last season. They hold Charlotte to 97 last night. I looked it up earlier. You'd have to go back to the Friday Thanksgiving game of last season, the last time the Pacers held an opponent to 97 or less. Yeah, and they're also a reminder of just bad things that happened, too, in terms of they've lost six straight games to Charlotte. There was that disaster game against the Hornets at Gamebridge Fieldhouse last year. I think it was late January, and, and there's kind of an unofficial belief that that might have been one of the games that turned the tide on – all right, time to restart this thing. Uh, I think there was even a, a, a long meeting after that game, if I remember correctly. Um, but the, the Hornets just looked disinterested. But it was so good to see games again. The Hornets did kind of look dis- disinterested. But <laughs> listen, but I do think there's element the Pacers will be playing harder than the majority of their well, opponents. The, I, I think, Scott, you tell me if this is a correct statement, but I think the thing that's going to be interesting about the Pacers this year is, you know, the brass of the Pacers may be saying, like, listen, we're trying to uh, – tank is the wrong word, but they are very open about the fact this is a retool that needs one more year. They are asking for one more year of patience and understanding of they're going to reset this thing altogether. But the players, on the other hand, are like, hey, I'm a young guy, man. I want my minutes and I want mine, right? Yeah, that, that, yeah that's completely the conversation. Players don't play into the fact of – uh, what it could be or may not be for that 
that season of that franchise. I mean, you got a couple guys in contract years, a couple guys with options, rookies that are just trying to figure it out and make their mark in the league. Um, and, and so I think you see a lot of that, especially last night. And you guys brought up how they played hard. Yeah, and we should see that because that's one big thing that Rick has been talking about in, uh, every day for the last week, playing to exhaustion. Um, be you know playing tough, competing, and being vocal, and a lot, some of that doesn't show through exactly, especially the vocalness on TV. But I thought a lot of those things stood out to me, uh, along with just some of those young guys, like what you know, Aaron Neesmith. I think was the the main thing that that jumped out. I would say just because he was so bad at summer league, um, but you kind of understand that a little bit considering those circumstances. He played well. Uh, I really liked what we saw from Isaiah Jackson. But, yeah, Jake, to your point, uh, players are focused on each game, and and they don't want to get embarrassed. That's their number one thing probably. I think that second unit duo there on the wing with Neesmith and Matherin, I think that's perfect to play alongside TJ McConnell. I think McConnell will set them up you know, in some really favorable situations. It's not like Isaiah Jackson or Terry Taylor, whoever is in the four or five spot of that second unit. It's not like they're kind of like individual creators. Um, I, I really think that'll be beneficial. And I think that second unit will be a group that will spark some things this season. And obviously that's kind of McConnell's MO. A hundred percent. Yeah. Matherin especially, I, I appreciated how much he just put his head down and looked to attack. Almost every single uh, drive last game. He's and such a willing driver. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and because of his, his stature, how big and tough he is, he can absorb that contact. Now, we'll see when it's even bigger, Giannis and LeBron. But um, I like the fact that he would get fouled and still be able to you know, go into the motion towards the basket or complete an and one, things like that. We really didn't see him shoot a ton from outside uh, yesterday, but from his attacking standpoint, you like that. You got TJ McConnell, who's always wanting to push it ahead. And if Neesmith can settle in and knock down many threes, you're right. They kind of complement one each other quite well with that second group. Again, Scott Agnes is with us. You can find his work over at Fieldhouse Files. And uh, he joins us every Thursday here on Kevin and Query. Scott, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, you did text me yesterday. And listening back to our show, we greatly appreciate you listening back to the show. And I believe you heard my over-under on wins and my belief that the Pacers will hit that over of 23.5 this season. I need them to hit over 30, to be honest with you. And I, th- I was going to say, that's when I heard you. I was like, 30? My goodness, that's quite high. And I believe, and you and I have known each other for a long time, so no offense was taken, but I want to say you called me an idiot for such a prediction there. Um, Your skepticism over my prediction comes from where? It comes from the the, the messaging here, as Jake alluded to earlier, that Pacers are pushing forward towards, hey, let's get after it one more year, have one more high draft pick, and then see where we are at. I mean, for example, the focus right now front office, they have about a half dozen people out in Las Vegas. For what is going on there, as they should in every front office, should. But and, and go um, ahead and share for those that don't know what's going on in Vegas. We have talked about it, yeah, but please we, share. Absolutely, out in Las Vegas, you have presumed the presumed top two picks in the upcoming draft, along with probably several others first round picks as well. So it's just not just those two, and 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 Victor and Scoot um, of guys that you know Pacers and other teams would all love to have on their team next year. So. It's 
you look down, I try to, you know, look down and what other teams will finish. And I have a hard time saying if things go well and they're a little bit strategic here, they're, do the Pacers not finish last in the Eastern Conference, for example? And if that's the case, you're probably looking, what, 20, 23 wins-ish, I think. So that that's what it comes down to, knowing the messaging, knowing the fact that the Pacers are very open to playing guys, just making this a development year. I, yeah, I, I think as I finish, I go, yeah, I think this is just a stay away. Okay, yeah. Scott, I want to – wasn't the most uplifting text to receive, <laughs> but you did give me a little bit of ammo. Sorry, sorry, Jake, yeah. to, to to butt in. You did give me a little bit of ammo. How many games missed did the Pacers have last year due to, due to injury? Yeah, no, four hundred about a four hundred games lost due to injury. No continuity with the lineups. Thirty different players. They gotta have yeah, better luck right. this year in those areas. Hundred percent. Boy, right. four hundred game season. That's a long season. year. No wonder guys are hurt. Jake, it's an algebra problem. You add up how many guys missing those games, and you get to that number. You know, if you gave me the number of players and then the X and then said 400, I could tell you the average of the number of games missed. Let's See, save that for like 10.05, okay, today. <laughs> that could be with your tutor today, Jake. Uh, no! Tutoring tomorrow, by the way. Uh, okay, Scott, here's a question off of a text message I received for when we announced you were coming on the show. See – see if this makes sense, what's being asked about the Bally's ticket package and et cetera. I have a possible question for you to please ask Scott. If I buy two ticket packages so that I could take my son to the games, could we stack the six-month redemptions so that we would be able to get the whole season or would it be effective from the beginning of the season strictly for six months? I guess what's being Um, asked, does that make sense what he's asking? Yeah, I believe they're saying you get a – the Pacers starting yesterday offering a six-month free trial, essentially, or comp account to Bally Sports. So they're saying, you know, when do I – when can I push it uh, and get it started? And I assume – I don't know this because I haven't physically done it um, – is that they're going to give you a little promo code. And so whenever you go and sign up, that's when your clock starts for the six-month free trial. And so – That would be my assumption. Therefore, you should be able to you know, wait one more month. Um, for example, there'd be no reason to sign up for the Valley Sports Plus package right now because there are no games that you're going to get for a week in a seven-day tri- free trial then wouldn't do you any good. So you would want to push that. So I think that's in a similar light here. Let's make sure we have the details right on this. Um, the Pacers announced yesterday that if you purchase, um, I think it's at least a six-game season ticket package, um, you will get, like you said, a comp six-month su- subscription to Bally Sports Plus, which means you can watch every single Pacers game. You will get a meet-and-greet opportunity with one of four players. That's Benedict Matherin, Miles Turner, Chris Duarte, or Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I think the autographed mini ball, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And then that six-game ticket package, I think the cheapest amount uh, would be right around $200. Do I have the details right? On that, Scott, I I think so. They didn't advertise the price, so I didn't. I don't know what that that number is, but that sounds about right there. What were your overall thoughts when you saw the announcement? Again, I know we've had a lot of discussions about this. Um, I I think it's pretty good. I think all things considered, it's not a bad deal. It's a significant price, but I think the return is 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 very nice. The only question I would have is. 
you know, what if I don't want to even go to six home games? What, is there something in there for if I want to go to two or three home games, could I get a similar comp to Bally Sports subscription? Yeah, I, I think the the general thing here is the Pacers and Bally are trying. They're trying to, to get you to try the product. They're trying to keep you coming to home games, by the way, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Sure, and so sure. I see that as kind of a – a happy medium, right? Like we'll give you this, but we don't want you to be a stranger as well. Because when you come to games, you're going to spend money. You're going to buy a Jersey. You're hopefully going to enjoy and talk about that experience and share it maybe with a kid. Um, I guess if it was me and enough as a fan, I would just go buy the package rather than uh, the games and then figure out the games later. Although, if you know you're going to go to a handful, and by the way, these are good games, too. It's not like it's just Charlotte, Chicago, and Orlando, too. Um, they are good go games. Jake was games. asking that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, I don't know why you wouldn't go. For example, one game, one package here, uh, there's two options. One is Lakers, Heat, Nets, Clippers, 76ers. Whoa. And the other includes the Bucks, the Warriors, Memphis, uh, Bulls, and Nets. So those are great games. Th- those are both good packages. S- Scott, let me ask you this. So I've been through – you and I both, I think, have gone through the field house now. They've had – you know, they're, they're close to the completion of the renovation of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. The very top is very cool because you kind of have an area where – kind of a bar congregating area where you look out one way and there's the court and then you look behind you and there's the – skyline of the city kind of like lucas oil has that one window but is there any concern for you there's a little bit for me i understand the necessity of the entertainment value and trying to entice people to come to live events when television is so good now but has the nba in general and the nfl too perhaps but has the nba in general with gambridge fieldhouse and the pacers become a product that has squeezed the blue-collar middleman out of the price structure. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought you were going to say, has it changed geared more towards entertainment and got away from the basketball product? And I was going to say, my number one thing is the cost factor. And just the fact that if you go to the box office and buy a club-level seat, you're probably pushing 100 bucks. I was looking at going to Post Malone, not even a big fan, but I wanted to go to the Fieldhouse first event that reopened this past week, Jake, I think the price was like 200 and some dollars to get in. Um, so I, I think maybe it's also events just over there in general um, in, in a field house type setting. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I would be curious. I haven't checked on like what a balcony ticket is today. Um, what the get in price, because honestly, if you're a true basketball fan, that if you could get a first row round mid court in the balcony, that's a very good seat. I would happily pay 25 30 bucks probably. I mean, the new video that. board makes everywhere a pretty good seat, right? Right. Yep, upgraded Wi-Fi as well is key. But, it, yeah, if, if, if you're starting to talk about a get-in price of 50 60 in general, I mean, this, this holds true across the state for other events as well. Um, but, I mean, I'm not sure how people with families can do that very comfortably anymore on, when they go to the Sunday afternoon and such. Just to clarify, Post Malone, I don't believe related to Carl Malone, for those that were <laughs> Carl was given the post, though, to be honest with you. Uh, very good. Um, By the way, um, it looks like 14 15 bucks face value for upper-level seats, and with the, stu- with the amenities now, that's a pretty good deal, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I'm very good with that. That's actually lower than I expected. So, Agreed. A couple um, more. I'm totally good with that. That's something they have to be conscious of because, again, going back to a conversation we had a lot last year, last in attendance and apathy crept in a little bit, right? So that's one thing in, in addition to the product on the floor. They have to start turning fans over in a good way again once, once more. A couple more Bally things I want to clarify. Again, Scott Agnes is with us from Fieldhouse Files. Um and by the way, I will also encourage people to check out Scott's latest podcast on Fieldhouse Files. Mel Rains, the COO over there, really interesting uh, pod on all the renovations to Gamebridge Fieldhouse over the years. I thought that was a great listen. Um, this one here from Kirk, he wants to make sure that Bally Sports is still going to function like normal last year. Bally Sports Plus is strictly just for streaming for those that don't get Bally Sports as a channel, correct? Correct, yes. That's the one thing that, that's important. you got to realize probably 80% of the audience that is trying to watch games, they have cable, so this does not affect them. Right. They're on AT&T. They're on Comcast. It's still going to come along. So how you watched the Pacers last season, same old, same old. This is for the streamers that you know didn't this have. This is for me and UKB, yeah, who have YouTube TV. We physically cannot get it through our provider right there. And so now we have no excuse. We can go pay $20 per month and, and get Valley Sports Plus. And then, Mark, you said we had a caller about someone curious. Yeah, Tim called. He had just gotten off work, so he's just listening now. He was asking. He had bought a 10-game ticket package before this announcement of the bundle. He wanted to know, will there be a retroactive, like, make good that he already purchased it? Will he still get the six-month subscription to Bally Sports Plus, or is he going to SOL? God, I would hope he's still good. Yeah, I would assume he's good. It's interesting. I, a couple people aren't returning my calls about Valley Sports right now this week, uh, which is interesting. But my understanding on all this is that someone with a, a pack, ticket package of that, that number, 10, half, half season, that they are getting an account comped. But do not quote me on that. I don't know that for certain. Uh, last basketball, I guess last question in general from me, Scott. Um, there are a couple of names that aren't frontline guys that you have heard that have stood out to the Pacers brass during training camp here. Um, you mind sharing those names? I thought it was interesting. A couple of guys that have stood out. Yeah. So the first guy was Andrew Nimhard, the first round pick of the second yeah, they round. They love him. We didn't see him a ton last year. Yeah. There's a lot of things to like about him. I think it's it, for one his experience, his confidence, his vision, um, his willingness to take the shot, which sometimes point guards don't feel. Uh, and we, I think we even saw that last night. I think he put up something like seven shots. Uh, and then the other guy uh, people talked about was Terry Taylor um, as well. And, you know, he's playing with that second unit. He kind of ha- now has that more defined role, and, and we understand how he can contribute. I think the biggest thing for him, the challenge in kind of marketing himself, if you will, probably going back to high school and college is what exactly are you, right? Like, he's kind of a center, but he, he passes well. He can shoot, um, but he's smaller. And so they have him right now playing the four, and I, I think they're going to try to get a lot of use out of him. So th- those two. And then, honestly, Neesmith was another one as well. Um, but you're kind of skeptical because we're not able to see for ourselves. Like, you know a little bit about Nemhard, know exactly what Terry Taylor will provide. Um, but Neesmith – you were, I was very curious how he would look compared to the summer league and then kind of with this fresh slate that he really needed just with no opportunity in Boston. And so far, he passed the test. 
Scott Agnes, again, Fieldhouse Files, where you can read what he has to say in terms of his coverage of the Pacers. Next preseason game, I think, is New York. Is that right? Or is that the first home preseason game on uh, a week from oh. yesterday? Yeah, both. Both. They got at the Knicks Friday, and then they host the Knicks on Wednesday. All right, so uh, Knicks, October 12th, 7 o'clock at the Fieldhouse. Scott, appreciate it. Scott, great work. Very good. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes right there on the Payless Lickers hotline. Rightfully so. I'm getting roasted for my Carl Malone, Post Malone joke. They yeah, said. That was, I, I think I owe you a retroactive Jim Mora. In is my your, opinion, that sucked. I owe you a, pre, a retroactive yeah. Jim Mora uh-huh. right there. Yeah. Claude, I expect that from Jake Query, but that Malone joke was yeah, awful. Yeah, he's rubbing off on you. Yeah. Excuse me? He's rubbing off um, on you. Okay. On oh, Nem- you're saying phrasing? Is that what you're saying? On Nemhard, Jake, I'm curious to see how many minutes he plays because he's he's a natural point guard. Wouldn't TJ McConnell be your backup to Tyrese Halliburton? I liked watching Nemhard at Gonzaga. A couple things I like about him, and I know this is going to sound negative. He does play the game like Malcolm Brogdon, which I actually think is a compliment. You know, uh, cerebral, um, kind of always in control. Um, you know, not the most athletic dude in the world, but just seems like he's got a good quarterback mentality, a step ahead of everybody out there. Unlike Brogdon, though, four years in college, two years at Florida, two years at Gonzaga, never missed a game. I was talking to somebody who said, uh, listen, we it's been a long time since we've had a lob into the post point guard, and now we have uh, two of them because they love how Nimhard does it along with Halliburton. Um they're really high on Nimhard. I, I think he has pleasantly surprised them. Now, camp and preseason games, totally different than NBA than a regular season NBA game. So we'll see, right? This is from Luke. Chris Denary said yesterday on JMV that the Pacers were uh, five and twenty-seven in games decided by five points or less. Um, I'm with you on the over, Kevin. No way they are that bad again. That's another part of why I think they're going to hit that over. Am I willing this into existence, Jake, or do you think there's some valid reasons for my With belief? the 11th pick <laughs> in the 2023 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers have frustrated themselves in not making it into the top three, but made Kevin yes. Bowen significant money, which is all that matters. Amen. Zach Eady with the eleventh pick. I think they have one of the like, <laughs> like the third lowest win total for over under. Yeah, it's NBA like them and the Spurs and, and the somebody jazz, else. The Jazz because they they're from tearing it down. Here's I, one. Okay, here's one for you. I do believe in the Pacers, but to Scott's point, he literally and he texted me yesterday. He goes, "I think they're the worst team in the East." You do look at some of these rosters in the East. These I don't. Is, these has gotten significantly. The better. East has gotten a lot better. Yeah. Which is which is a higher number? The number of games the Pacers win this year or the number of games where Romeo Langford registers double-digit minutes for San Antonio? God, man, that was that's like a shot, I think. Yeah, boy, I hope our New Albany audience is not tuning in on this Thursday morning. Um, I mean, the Spurs are full-on tank, right? Yeah. Mark? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Spurs and Jazz well, are like, hold my beer, watch this. Did you this. hear what uh, Popovich said? He like went to the microphone, he's like, I don't condone gambling, but if you're betting us to win the NBA Finals, you're an idiot or something like that. <laughs> something along those lines. Now, people have conspiracy theories that the Bur- the Spurs are going to get Webb and Yama. Why is that a conspiracy theory? 
the NBA is going to say, you were such a great steward for us for a couple of decades, the Popovich run, Tony Parker's French connection, here comes Mr. Webb and Yama. Okay. Have you been to San Antonio? I have not. My parents Mark? got back there a few years ago from Twice vacation. They no, love it. I have been there, though. It's nice interesting. Town. It is nice. It's funny, though, when you go there. I remember when I first went there, I'm like, I checked into the hotel late at night, and I'm like, where is the Alamo exactly? And they're like, uh, it's like right around the corner. And it's kind of like our downtown canal walk is what the river walk kind of looks like. I mean, obviously, much more elaborate in entertainment, restaurants, et cetera. But the Alamo is right along it. So you, I went around the corner. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like there it is, the Alamo. Holy cow. And then you realize that San Antonio actually is like a eight-block area, and you're walking around, and you just keep passing the Alamo. It's like, oh, yeah, there's the Alamo again. After like a day there, you're like – it was weird when I saw it the first time. I was like, oh, that's it right there. Okay. Totally. You don't expect – I mean, it's boom. It is yeah. right there. It's kind of wild they have an NBA franchise. Um, Got a six flags, too. It's just in the middle of nowhere. You know, they would have had, Kevin, an NFL franchise. Katrina? Yes. The The New Orleans Saints were – now, here's the thing. Katrina is where they went after the fact. They played some games in San Antonio. The New Orleans Saints, mark it down, write it down, put it in stone, guaranteed, 100% correct here. The New Orleans Saints brass had made the decision that they were leaving New Orleans permanently and they were going to play in the Alamo Dome as the San Antonio Saints. And they were lock, stock, and barrel ready to go, and all of their staff had been told to go ahead and start looking at real estate in the San Antonio area. And then Katrina hit, and the Saints became such an integral part of the rebuild and the emotional connection to the city of New Orleans that the ownership said, you know what, there's no way we can move them now, and that's what kept them in New Orleans. They were on their way out the door. Literally, it was like, uh, lock the door on your way out because there's a storm coming, and then boom. They're still the New Orleans Saints. Donald goes, I've got a – or he goes, I'm a massive Tyrese Halliburton fan, but does he lack – aggression on offense or does his lack of aggression on offense concern you uh not overly i i think you know the passing element to his game is a huge huge part like to me if this rebuild is going to take off halliburton isn't your number one guy in an ideal world i think it'd be matherin i think that's right and halliburton would be the facilitator the quarterback yeah, I think that's right of it all um Someone in the YouTube chat was wanting to know about the shirt that you're rocking today. Um, I believe I saw you put on that shirt at your birthday, right? Yes, this is the shirt that my high school friends got for me at my my 50th birthday. It just says, squeezing the juice out of life since 1972, which is the year I was born. Now, should I have gotten Maddie one of those for her 33rd birthday today? (laughs) Sure. You got to get her something. Yeah, you're going to be on the couch all night. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah. (laughs) I'm saying watching the football game. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Trust me. She's made that very clear. Now, wait, what? We only can can go somewhere at 5 o'clock, you're saying, but the game starts at what time? Yeah. You got the whole weekend. I know. That's where I'm I'm trying to throw that out there. So, but. You know, that's the. um, You ought to ask Tom Brady how he celebrated Giselle's birthdays. Oh, jeez. This is awkward. I think they watched, what is it? The Last Dance? What's the show? Iceland show. Oh, uh, Lazy Town. Lazy, Lazy, Lazy Town. the Jordan documentary. Yeah, let's sit down and watch three episodes of Lazy Town so I can <laughs> see my doppelganger. <laughs> did you see the picture? Uh, someone, I did a little pick stitch, yeah, I, I guess, I kind of. 
Uh, pop quiz coming up in five minutes. 317-239-1070. Uh, by the way, we got to give out Colts Broncos picks to end the show today. Of course. With the Colts playing in less than 12 hours in the Rockies. But right now, let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh boy, text from Maddie. I have not said that. Don't make me sound mean. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Boy, this is a tough now start to the Now we are on the couch. All right, oh, Maddie. Man, this is a tough start. No, she's been very loving. I like the fact that Maddie listens to the program. Very supportive. Well, she Very wants supportive to get that. She wants to, with oh. my job. Does your she, wife listen to the show, Mark? Uh, they do the YouTube stream because the girls like to see Dad on. Oh well, that's on, fun. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, we, we really need it to be working then. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you really want to? Do you want to? Now that she's listening, do you want to talk about your Pacers wager? Or is that something you want to? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's time it, for the morning checkdown, yeah. is it not? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rick Matt, Carlisle last night. <laughs> Maddie, I hope <laughs> you like the couch that you're watching uh, the game on tonight for your 33rd birthday because if the Pacers don't win 30 games, it might be out in a yard and sale. A, and after last night, bed. I feel... What are you talking about? Huh? That might be the bet from now on. <laughs> I have to sell true. everything else. I feel uber confident <laughs> in the friendly wager that I put down on the Pacers for this season. Last night, they held Charlotte to 97 points in the preseason opener. Here was Rick Carlisle on that side of the floor last night. I thought we did some very good things. I thought our presence and disposition on the ball was good. Um, you know, we, we rotated well. We helped each other well. Um, we made some mistakes out there, but um, all in all, this was a positive start to, uh, you know, four important games for us. By the way, I'm going to start using that more about disposition on the ball. I don't even know what it means, but it just sounds very basketball intelligent. So we're going to have Rick Carlisle on the show next week, you said, Jake? I think that's right. Well, uh, just I, before this, the, the, let's see, the season begins on the 19th. I think they said the 18th he would come on with us. Is it going to be for his three minutes that he's in the car? That's correct. A longer than that? <laughs> All, I'm just telling you, he said to me, I listen to you guys every morning. Really? Yeah, well, granted, I only drive five blocks, but it, it sounds great. We're going to have to queue up the lights to where he hits a lot of reds leading into the St. Vincent <laughs> Center that morning. That's um, right. One thing I love about Carlisle, and I say this in all sincerity, I feel like every time he answers a question, I rarely hear cliches. That is correct. He's a very unique answer of questions and is someone that listens to a lot of press conferences. I greatly appreciate He's that. kind of a unique dude in general. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, nothing really of note except for that the Cubs absolutely walloped the Reds 15-2 for the Reds' 100th loss of the season. It was the Pirates over the Cardinals 5-3. Houston and Philly in two teams that are headed to the postseason. Astros win that one 3-2. Aaron Judge, no home runs yesterday as the Yankees fall to the Rangers 4-2. Tonight, uh, injury update from the Colts and Broncos. Again, the Colts will not have Jonathan Taylor, Shaquille Leonard, Tyquan Lewis, and Julian Blackman. Those are the four out uh, for Denver. Uh, they're starting running back, Javante Williams, Randy Gregory, their best pass rusher. A few other kind of depth pieces will not play for Denver. Russell Wilson dealing with a right shoulder injury. He will play. Is a Bronco strictly in a does a do you have to be an adult equine to be a Bronco? Or can a Bronco also be a Colt? One of my buddies tried to do the Bronco over at Cadillac Ranch one time. It didn't go very well for him. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but but so like, can you be one of like? Can you literally say, well, this is a a Bronco and a Colt, or does a Bronco? Uh, to me, Bronco just means a wild bucking horse, right? Which can be a Colt also, correct? I think it's kind of like a weekly thing. Last week it was the Ram. 
versus the mm-hmm. sheep versus well the that's goat. also an excellent question this is the kind of stuff kevin i'm telling you on this program people come here because they want more they want more out than than just what's in the lines and they say to themselves i like the fact that the bowen fella knows the the x's and o's but then the other guy he he makes me think that's what you, you that's said, why you said goats so i contractually have to play them <laughs> by the way uh there's a disney movie uh that we watched do we have a bronco noise no but there's a disney movie okay. it's a pixar movie onward and the one of the characters it's like a myth- mythical show and it's like a he's like a man it's a centaur or whatever you call it, the guy with that's half horse uh-huh. his name is colt bronco really mm-hmm. they ought to call him peyton well there you go how's that sound about what's that peyton manning impression split jersey for that one you wanted me to do a Peyton I thought impression? you were going to. You well, teased yeah. yourself up. Uh, l- l- listen, you know, I mean, all, all I know is, you know, you know, just, I don't know what those guys are called. What what are those guys called with the half horse, half guy? Is that a centaur? Is that is what manitar? What, I don't know what it is. Okay. That's that. That's a goat. <laughs> Jeremy, who wins more games, he asks, IU basketball or the Pacers? If IU basketball sniffs how many games the Pacers are going to win this season, that would be a dream season for Mike Woodson. Right? Yeah, no question. I mean, I mean the over/under is twenty-three and a half. If the Pacers win twenty-six, I use a what a two-seed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Just based on, I mean, they play twice as many games in the NBA, especially yes. with the schedule that Indiana has, particularly in the non-conference college basketball season, less than a month away. Um, so it's about to pick up big time here locally. All right, pop quiz time. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs today. Scotty is at home. He's sleeping. He's working late tonight. But good news, um, he has sent the pop quiz. A little football, a little basketball, a little baseball, a little bit of everything from Scotty J. So give us a call for the pop quiz here on Kevin and Corey. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Pacers just tweeted out a video with the caption, in case you missed it, our guys had some bounce last night. I I laugh at that because I think to the Chad Buchanan quote with us, Jake, at the Pacers golf outing, and this kind of goes off of what I was saying earlier about not enough easy buckets last year. The Pacers didn't dunk the ball enough last year. Didn't they? Didn't Chad Buchanan say something about how they didn't have enough lobs? Yeah, they just lack easy baskets, athleticism, the point guards necessarily to make those plays. All of it. And last night, yeah, Aaron Neesmith in the open floor. Matherin finished at the rim. Isaiah Jackson, of course. Isaiah Jackson put on some beef, man. He's say he's about fifteen up. pounds, right? Yeah. So what do you think that puts him at? Two fifteen? <laughs> Two oh five. Yeah, no, he's he's added some muscle though for sure. Jalen Smith, couple dogs. All right, pop quiz time. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Jiffy Lube oil chains that we are giving away. This morning, Jake and number one through eight. Uh, we will go with, let's see, tonight the game begins at 8.15. We'll go eight. Okay. Jimmy. Jimmy. Gentlemen, how are we this morning? It's good, Jimmy. It's good, Jimmy. Good, Jimmy. Great to hear your voice, man. It's been a while. Yeah, you too. I hope you guys are doing well. Jake and Kevin, I love your show. And Mark does a great job running the ship most of the time. So. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Hey, Jimmy, am I going to see you at some Pacer games this year? Yes, sir. I actually, uh, I told John 
um, JMV that I'm actually working at Gamebridge now. So nice. They, uh, they won't be able to get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, All right, that's cool. Yep. Do you, are, are you with me, Jimmy, on the Pacers? you like them winning over 23 games? Uh, well, um, yes, I do. <laughs> that's a short answer. Um, I, I think they're going to surprise some people, Kevin. I think um, I like the good young core that we have, and um, and I'm really excited about the year. So. The feeling is mutual. I love it. All right, Jimmy, yeah. would you like for me, that would be Jake, to lead you off, or would you like for Kevin to give you question number one? Well, since I always give Kevin uh, golf questions, I'll go with uh, Kevin, and hopefully I don't need any Morgans. Right. Oh, I nice. like it. Look at that. That's an analogy that'll make Jake all tingly. <laughs> all right, number one, Jimmy, the Colts are at Denver tonight to take on the Broncos. Scotty's got a little trick up his sleeve for this one. Who leads the all-time series, including the playoffs? And I guess, you know, your options in this would be the Colts, the Broncos, or neither. You know, they could tie. They've played 28 times. Well, um, I think Scotty is a trickster, so I'm, I'm, I'm going. I think they're tied. I think it's even. All right. Question number two. The Pacers that we were just talking about, Jimmy, they won their preseason opener last night, 122 to 97 in Charlotte. Who led them in scoring? Is it Benedict oh. Matherin, Aaron Neesmith, Isaiah Jackson, or Chris Duarte? Aaron Neesmith. Okay. All right. Number three, Aaron Judge led the AL in home runs and RBIs while finishing second in batting average. Who beat out Judge for the AL Batting Championship? Jordan Alvarez, Xander Bogarts, Luis Arez, Arias, or Jose Abreu? Luis Arias. Scotty starting to pace at his home right now. Question number four. Who was the only pitcher this year to win 20 or more games? Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, Julio Urias, or Kyle Wright? I hope you get this um, right. Ooh. Can you give me the first first one again? Sorry. Yeah, uh, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, Julio Urias, or Kyle Wright? Ooh. I do hope you can. Verlander had a great year, but I don't think he won twenty. Um, I'll, I'll say Urias or Urias. All right, number five. Jake, you certainly tried. The Cubs beat the Reds 15-2 to two yesterday. What was that score? Who, who approved this question? Uh, handing Cincinnati its 100th loss of the season. It's just the second time in history that the Reds have lost 100 or more games. Historic season. Haven't we been saying that about the Reds all year long? History, setters. Um, the first time was in 1982 when they finished 61 and 101. Name one of the two managers the Reds had in 1982. How old are you, good Jimmy? <laughs> uh, I'm 35. I was gonna say, I feel like we're right around the same age. Um, yeah. Sparky Anderson. Sparky Anderson's a good guess. Um, uh, popular flower company. Uh, Look at that. Good Jimmy from the parking lot with that one. Boy, I was also thinking, should I go president? Is is that second answer the the brother of a former president? 
thought that's where Jake might go, but um, all right, let's see how Jimmy did. I just dive, dove out of there. Sorry about that. Uh, the Colts are in Denver tonight. Take on the Broncos. The all-time series with 28 games played. It is indeed tied. Yes! Colts are 3-0 and in the pre- or, uh, postseason, though, against the Broncos. Uh, question number two was Aaron Neesmith with 16 points. Question yeah. number three? Uh, it is Luis uh, Arias. correct. 316 to Aaron Judge's three. I tried really hard with Jimmy by saying, I hope he gets it right. I hope he gets it right. Oh, Kyle Wright was 21 and 5 for Atlanta. John McNamara <laughs> and Russ Nixon, who was the brother of Richard, not really. Were the two answers for questions. You don't get the I call McNamara by Jimmy. You don't even get that was nice. No mulligan needed there. He was sinking a 60-footer with that one. All right, we will give out our Colts and Broncos picks to round out the show here. Kevin and Quarry on a Thursday morning. We are closing in on the one-year mark of the three of us doing this show together, right? Correct, yep. Uh-huh. Got the champagne in the fridge, <laughs> right? I'm sure you Got do. the gray hair to show it. Um, I believe that I have done this little soliloquy I thought on this show before, but humor me if you've not heard it. I'm sure you guys have. But this always fascinates me, and I did this the other day for somebody, and they're like, holy cow, you should do that on the radio. And I'm like, well, I have like 10 times, but it never ceases to amaze me. With tonight's Colts-Broncos game, Kevin, I'd like to do uh, about a 90-second, maybe more or less, uh, history lesson on the the intertwine of the Colts and Broncos franchises. Are you ready? Should I just give my pick and head out and then call it a day? <laughs> We've got what five minutes left here. We got time. Okay. So once upon a time, there was a team called the Baltimore Colts that did not have much success. They were really rutted in mediocrity, and their fortunes changed when they had the opportunity to draft a generational quarterback named John Elway out of Stanford University. John Elway, whose father, by the way, Jack Elway was a football coach himself who later would coach as a coordinator at Stanford. But John Elway didn't want to play for the Baltimore Colts, so they had to trade him, and they traded him to the Denver Broncos. The Colts then moved to Indianapolis where they went through kind of some different changes and trying out different quarterbacks, and they finally found some success by getting a quarterback by the name of Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, whose father, Jack Harbaugh, was a coach that later was a coordinator for Stanford, by the way. And uh Jim Harbaugh had pretty good success with the Colts but then he went on elsewhere actually to leave to go to Baltimore where the Colts had come from at that point the Colts were still looking for a quarterback and they drafted a guy named Peyton Manning now Peyton Manning also had a father involved with football because his father Archie Manning played in the NFL had a backup quarterback by the name of Oliver Luck during the time that he was playing in the NFL Peyton Manning had great career with the Indianapolis Colts and won a Super Bowl for the Colts, just like John Elway had done with the Denver Broncos. Manning eventually got hurt, and at that time, the Colts decided that they needed to try to find another quarterback. So they did it by trying to find a guy and bringing him in named Andrew Luck, who had played at Stanford for, by the way, Jim Harbaugh, who was now the head coach at Stanford, and whose father, Jack Harbaugh, had coached there, and Jack Elway had also coached at Stanford, where John Elway had played. So Oliver Luck's son, Andrew Luck comes to Indianapolis to replace Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning was then left with the need to find a new job. So he looked around and ended up deciding that he wanted to go and play for the Denver Broncos and signed a contract that was negotiated by the president of the Broncos, John Elway. So there you go. Quiz later. Neither one of you has any thought on that at all? 
I'm still processing everything. So <laughs> Russell Wilson will be the quarterback here next year. Matt Ryan will be the quarterback in Denver next That's year. That's correct. Russell Wilson, who, by the way, uh, started at North Carolina State and then went to Wisconsin. And North Carolina State is the same place that Phillip Rivers had played, who was the guy that ultimately Matt Ryan, if you take out Carson Wentz, replaced in Indianapolis. And then your tie-in with Brett Rippon, the backup to Russell Wilson and Mark Rippon? Uh, Mark Rippon was the backup for Peyton Manning here in Indianapolis. Any okay. any other questions? Mark? Well, speechless. I, I need to, to say shake my brain after all yeah. that. That was a lot of knowledge flying at me. Boy, I'll be napping well today after hearing <laughs> that one. Um, all right, Colts, Broncos. There has picks. to be somebody out there listening that's like, wow, that's amazing. Am I the only one that's amazed by this? You know, we probably in the break, Mark, when he said, have I said this before? We probably should have just said, yeah. That's, that's I think we should be, <laughs> yeah. that's be the standard learn. going forward. Live and learn. We will learn from that moving forward. Um, it is a three-and-a-half-point spread for tonight. The Colts, I think it's been that pretty much the entire week, hovering right around three. The over-under last I saw was 42-and-a-half. Again, to update everyone on the injury situation for the Colts, no Jonathan Taylor, no Shaquille Leonard, no Tyquan Lewis, no Julian Blackman, Denver without their starting running back, Javante Williams, Randy Gregory, their best pass rusher, is out. These are two pretty desperate football teams meeting tonight in Denver. Mark Dyke didn't lead us off. Well, I've been pretty terrible this year with predicting Colts games. I think I'm a I'm a Same. perfect 0 for 4 if we're counting the tie. Uh, so I'm going to pull a George Costanza. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. <laughs> so I'm going to go Broncos 23-17. I'm going to pull the old George Costanza and go the opposite. I think the Colts will win, but I will take the Broncos to win. So that means the Colts will win. God, my head is spinning even more right now. Um, Give that again, 23-17. So the under. Yeah, under, and the Broncos win 23-17. I think it was the Kansas City game where I said if they didn't go out and play for Frank Reich, then I was not sold. Maybe that was Tennessee. But I had a feeling and a hunch they would beat Kansas City and predicted them to win that game, and they did. I had the same premonition about this one only because I think weird things happen to teams with their back against the wall when they go on the road. I think it causes teams to band together and just say, let's go for it. I think that without Jonathan Taylor there, it forces the Colts to have to be more offensively dynamic as opposed to overly reliant on Taylor, even though they haven't used Jonathan Taylor a lot without him in there, though. But it just that safety net is not there. I think in this case, it's like what we saw when they went in and surprised people in Arizona or when they went in on a Thursday night and surprised people last year. I think it was against Kansas City. They've, they've played well in these situations under this regime, and this is a watershed game for both franchises. If the Colts don't win tonight, I think they're in serious trouble, and I think the same is true for Denver. But I'm not sold on Russell Wilson. I'm not sold – that he has meshed in Denver. I'm not sold that he has it left in the tank, and I think the Colts win 26-24. Yeah, I don't know if I put as much stock of, like, this game is going to greatly shift the season for one of these two teams. Uh, I, I look at the next two games for the Colts and think those are the divisional games. Those are the bigger ones than tonight. Obviously, when you started 1-2-1, one, and one, tonight still matters. I thought when the schedule came out in May, this would be the hardest game on the schedule. Um, I thought Denver was a good team. Short week. Altitude sandwich in between big divisional games. It just didn't smell like a, a, a good situation for the Colts. Um, I've shifted that thinking. I don't think that anymore. Uh, having said that, I think Russell Wilson will make one 
more critical play than Matt Ryan when it comes to the fourth quarter tonight. Part of me wants to think that week three blueprint you had against Patrick Mahomes, if you have that again tonight, that can be huge in neutral, uh, neutralizing Wilson. Um, but I think he'll make one play more than Ryan, and I'm going 23-19 Broncos. Okay. Uh, give us a lot to talk about tomorrow, right? Three Thursday night games this season off short weeks. The home team is won by 3, 12, and 12. For anyone curious on that you front. Kind of price of ri- prices righted me on that final score. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, I, I did have it written down. Okay. What was your score, Jake? He said 26-24. So you're going a little higher scoring than we are. And he's got the Colts. And he's got the Colts. Um, all right, we will recap everything tomorrow. Jeff, Saturday, Mark? That's the plan. Yep. I'll text Plans you tonight. Plans for Jeff Saturday to join us. We'll treat tomorrow like we usually treat Mondays after a game. We'll break it all down. Purdue is at Maryland. Indiana's got Michigan at home. Notre Dame's got BYU. We'll look ahead to a little college football tomorrow uh, coming up at 7 a.m. Everybody enjoy tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow.